right. Welcome back to the Couch Command. Uh, today I have with me Isaac from Lobster Mag- Magnet Reviews. Hey, thanks for having me. I have my actor friend from New York, Matt. Uh, hey, hey, what's up? I also have a buddy of mine who calls himself MJ. Good afternoon. Cool. All right. Yeah. Today's episode, um, we'll be doing uh, what we usually geek on. And after that, we'll be uh, tackling Thor, Love and Thunder. But um, the first person to geek out, I think um, Doc Falconer, um, Matt from New York, has been chomping at the bit to talk about some things. <laughs> I've been chomping a little bit. Yeah. And my guess, because like we talked about this earlier, and like oh, he yeah. played something that's really hard that like, uh, anyway, I, is it Elden Ring? Oh, no, 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 no. I, um, I actually didn't specify whether I had played it, watched it, or whatever. Um, and so I have not played Elden Ring yet. Uh, okay. Although, I, I do enjoy Souls game. I really like the kind of challenge that they, they present. I actually uh, played the, uh, what was the really dark one called where you... Uh, well, <laughs> like, no, the, the extra the, the extra dark one where you can have like a giant razor blade and stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> It doesn't matter. Um, as a casual fan, they actually all look alike to me, and they're all dark. And like they kicked me out. Um, I tried to play the game uh, for like I- I'll say I'll, be, I'll, gen- I'll say I'll be generous to myself and say it was only forty five minutes. But like after getting killed and trying to find my way out of this like tower, like I was like, oh yeah, this is supposed to be hard, and I need to figure it out for myself. And like I spent like over forty five minutes just trying to get out of that first tower. Well, that's just frustrating. Day. Yeah. That's just very funny. Well, okay. Well, no, what I was actually talking about is that very briefly, I sort of decided that I was going to start collecting Marvel Legends figures. Um, right. And these things are just ridiculously difficult to get at MSRP. And I refuse to pay more than MSRP because they're not that good. And it just, they all sell out immediately. Or it's either that or they're just not available in New York uh, around where I am. Because uh, right. I'll just... Mm-hmm. I like, for example, like there's all these targets now in New York, and they just don't carry them for some reason. And I'll go to the Game Stops, and all my Game Stops look—they um, have nothing. They're completely sold out of everything that you might want. Um, and I don't know. I just—I have just found the entire experience of Marvel Legends to be frustrating. So I, I basically quit before I started. Still in print, or are they like kind of like a new figure line? Uh, well, it's like. Um, I think that I kind of started being like, all right, I think these ones look pretty cool. And they kind of like, yeah, they're not make being made anymore. And so obviously those are just, you know, they're sold out for years and now they're very expensive. Um, to be online. specific on like, which ones are you hunting for? And cause like, to me, like, uh, I, I don't know any much about hunting these. So I would say, why aren't you just going to Amazon and ordering it? Like what um, are you trying to get? That's a, that's a good, that's a good question. It's, uh, a lot of them. Well, like, a lot of times I would just kind of prefer to get them in person because I, I sort of want to see what it looks like in person before I actually buy it because the quality control isn't as good with these as it is with like, you know, uh, like a figure arts or something. Um, I'm on and- board with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially the new Thor figure. The new, the new Thor figure from Love and Thunder was fantastic, but the articulation on it is not the best. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's the thing. It's sort of like some of them, the articulation seems excellent, but other ones is like there's no way to pose them without them looking awkward. Um, and so I just kind of I mean, you you can watch videos and everything like that. But um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like an example. Like 
uh, and I'm doing a bad job, but <laughs> uh, I was yeah, thinking like, I would, okay. I would ask for like any specific one, which ones were you trying to get? Which ones didn't you find? Okay, here like, we also go. Like more of like a philosophy, even like, are you trying to find X-Men mutants yes. or missionaries? Correct. Correct. I decided I was going to just kind of, I just wanted to put together a ragtag group of X-Men, you know, from Whoa. all different things. Right. It's just like, cause like, for right. example, I already have, um, Nightcrawler and rogue and Gambit. And so I was like, all right, well now I got to get, I have to get a, uh, a Cyclops. And so like, there's a relatively recent Cyclops, um, from, uh, I can tell it's from one of the build a figure lines. And, um, let's see if I can figure out, yeah, here I can find this here. Uh, geez, this is taking too long, but, (laughs) but, uh, here, I'll just send you a link to the Amazon thing, but it's like, Mm -hmm. it's slightly over MSRP. And so I refuse to pay that. And it's like, it doesn't, it's not that old. Um, and so I'm not going to pay $30 for it. I will pay $20 for it. And that is it. Um, and Um, I, I, why that one? That is a weird cyclops to choose i don't think i've seen that costume before yeah i don't even know what the costume is from i'm such a casual when it comes to x-men um but uh but yeah i don't know because the other ones are even more expensive or look more lame like for example there is like uh the cyclops that looks just like the guy from the six-player x-men arcade game and then there's the cyclops that looks just like the animated version or like you would have been in marvel versus capcom right bro uh, bro i got i got a cyclops for you i got one for you Oh yeah, let's let's see. And that price. Thank you. Let's take a look. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. No, absolutely not. No. 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 I love Age of Apocalypse. Look at 90s badass. Ah, jeez. No. (laughs) I mean, uh, but he's Cyclops and he has he has glasses on. He has two eyes, and he can't just cover it with his lame long hair and say he only has one eye. No, no, no. (laughs) Uh, In this universe, uh, Wolverine cut out the other eye. Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Fair. So oh, now I he see. is a Cyclops. He actually is a and literal then Cyclops. Cyclops. Shot off like one of Wolverine's hands. Anyway, all right. I love think- this series, and it is only twelve ninety nine, and I like that. But here's my other problem with this: is that he's got pauldron. He, he, I do he love pauldrons. I do. I do like pauldrons. You're right. I won't. But um, uh, he doesn't come with the beam effect, and I want the beam okay. effect because another character that I have that's actually connected to my childhood is Sleepwalker. Um. And Sleepwalker has a beam effect with his eyes, and the uh, the Cyclops that I was looking at has the beam effect. And so I could use that for Cyclops, or I could use it for uh, Sleepwalker. Um, oh, that uh, the Cyclops you linked, that's uh, from House of X. That's what that outfit is from. House of X, thank you, yes. Uh, yeah, it's also the, the one where like the Magneto with a, with a white outfit comes from. Um, it's actually pretty nice looking. Magneto uh, the white. Magneto. What have I missed Magneto in Marvel comics lately? With a with a white outfit. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me let me link you to it. This is great for podcast listeners. All these links <laughs> I'm sending. Anyway, so uh, I'll be putting pictures. Looks, in the, you can't the see. dot <laughs> There you go. Hey, there you go. In the show notes. So anyway, um, I figure that's probably oh. enough of that. I'm I'm going to move on unless unless somebody else yeah. has something they want. Okay. Another <laughs> another thing. I've been I've been playing Vampire Survivors. Um, tabletop oh, or video no, games? That, that's the three dollar game on Steam that everyone loves, right? Yeah, exactly. I I saw it, and look, I'm I'm super into retro games. I love stuff like that. I've also been playing Skull, and I've been playing like Dead Cells forever, and so I've I've no problem with like 
uh, retro looking games and everything like that. I love them. Uh, but this one, I was sort of like, eh, it looks a little cheap and three bucks. I don't know. I don't even know where that came from because three bucks, but it is so addictive and so amazing. And I cannot recommend it enough. Um, it's so freaking good. Some kind of top down shooter. Yeah. Basically you, um, it's all very Castlevania feeling and it, it and what happens is your character shoots automatically. It shoots mm. stuff out automatically, and you collect powers uh, while you're like advancing in levels, and you can pick them up as you go, and you just slowly shoot out more and more crap. So it's kind of like, it's almost, I would almost consider it to be like a top-down Castlevania-esque bullet hell because of the way you're avoiding all of the zombies and the, and the ghosts and the bats and everything. But uh, you can unlock so many different things, and when you get treasure chests, I don't know if y'all have played any like new slot machines, like IRL slot machines, but like mm-hmm. the way they do the treasure chest feels like an actual slot machine. Um, and it hits all those dopamine receptors or whatever as they go off. And it's friggin' amazing. I saw in the trailer here that they actually are throwing the actual uh, boomerangs from Castlevania. Absolutely. Yeah. They get the little cross boomerangs and there's like 30 or 40 characters you can unlock. And as you unlock items, like the items can like combine in alchemy and make new items. Uh, it's so freaking good. I can't recommend it enough. And is it co-op? No, it's not. It's not. And it should be, if it was co-op, then that would basically be my life. I think. Um, $3. That would that would be it. I would pay I would pay grown man, grown ass man money to make like to buy like a co op version of this game because <laughs> uh, it would be so freaking good. Um, cool. Yeah, and then uh, last thing I've been uh, I well I finished it. I watched Spy Family. The uh, oh yeah, Spy Family is uh, very cute. Um, uh, I, I saw through all that. It was uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's excellent. It's just like really, really well produced and the characters are lovable and you end up really caring about everybody. Uh, and I'm looking forward to more of that coming out. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend Spy Family. How many episodes? I think 12. 12 so right. far. Yeah. All, All right. right. Anything else? Yeah, it's like the big yeah. new mainstream anime. It is. It is. I'm on board. I, I jumped right on that bandwagon. Yeah, I heard pack. you and your uh, brother talk about it, and I'm curious. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I did finally start watching Dragon Ball Super again, so I'm uh, cool. going to finish <laughs> that up. So some of the yeah. best fights in fiction. So good. You, you excited for the uh, that? Well, maybe you wonder. Can you explain to me when that movie's supposed to take place? The Dragon Ball superheroes. I am so effing. Oh confused. man. Uh, I think I'm not positive, but I think that like it might be some alternate like just for fun universe no because like they've been doing canon movies are like the big shit in uh fucking uh the anime world right now mm-hmm. uh and that brawly movie was kind of like a c- canon sequel to dragon ball supers and then uh i read somewhere that like the uh dragon ball superheroes is supposed to be like a canon sequel to like the most recent arc that happened in the manga but it's like god it, it is just a confusing hodgepodge i am just don't know what's <laughs> canon what isn't so i was wondering if someone could Explain it to me. This guy. I guess no one. No, I have no idea. I haven't. I, I am very used to anime movies being completely outside of canon. Yep. That always drives me nuts. I'm like, what are we even doing here? What's the point? And that of this? is why for a long time, I haven't really watched much of like my favorite anime movies ever. Cause I'm like outside of canon. I just don't have time. 
Yeah, it's a good One Piece. I've done that a few they're, they're times, but they're mostly like terrible. Uh, and even the One Piece movies are mostly forgettable, except for the ones that like. The way I see it is, if if it said that Oda like sneezed on it, then I'll give it like some time. Um, <laughs> but like, if it doesn't have any of the original creators' supervision, then I, I don't give a fuck. I don't want to see the Straw Hats meet the fill, you know, filler McBadguyton on the Clockwork Island with animals or, or any of that bullshit. <laughs> Even if it is like a better budget, it's it's just like really expensive fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, Matt. Anything else? Nope. I'm done. All right then. Um, I'm gonna go next. What? I just jumped in there. Okay. Um, so, uh, what I got, what, what I've been, uh, geeking on, what my, the biggest thing lately is my three body problem care package. Uh, did you guys see me post about that? Uh, I saw that you got it. Yep. And I, I watched some of the video, but then I got distracted by something or other. It, it's not a great video. It's my very first. I'm just trying, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, so three body problem is a Chinese sci-fi series that I got into like in like 2015 because like I was trying to rediscover like, can fiction still wow me, ever? Like, after Last Jedi, I was just like, oh, God, is science fiction dead? And uh, this uh, ch- writer from China said, no, Keith, let me wow you like a motherfucker. And he just obliterated my brain, and I fell in love with it, um, experiencing it, and, like, once it kind of clicks, all of a sudden, like, you realize, like, oh, my God, across the globe, like, other geeks also get it. So let me search about this. And I looked it up on YouTube, and I found an uh, animated series just fell in love with it, rewatched it several times. Um, and then met a friend. Her name is Raofu. Uh, she's in China and we both have the same kind of passion for the animated series. Uh, she knows more about it. Like it's, it, it might not be going on anymore because like the main producer was killed because of like jealousy or something. And yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's a hard world over there. Um, but yeah, through the kindness of her heart, she went to a Chinese website, found like this merchandise for the animated series that like few people know exists in the first place and few people outside of China has ever touched. Wait, so is she it, sent me. Yeah. Is it is it that um animated um Minecraft series you love so yep. much or is it something <laughs> <laughs> merchandise of the, the, the Minecraft series? Yes. But okay, so like the, the the first season is Minecraft, second and third season are legit cgi oh interesting so like what's beautiful about the series is like if it first very starts off aggressively ratchet like you're you're watching someone play minecraft and act out scenes which is admirable and beautiful even like just like recreating scenes like that like all the work and then like the the camera work they have to put into it so like you know you i got into it because like all that work and how beautiful it was but each episode just kept on um ratcheting up the quality and like the scale of what they could accomplish to the point where like there's scenes in the book that were hard to imagine um, dealing with like protons and, and supercomputers and whatnot. Uh, and they pulled off in the animated in the, in the Minecraft version even, and it blew my mind. Then like after that, they just went to using real CGI. They got a budget. And then the person who believed in them was poisoned and killed, unfortunately. Wow. Um, so yeah, like uh, it, it did blow up. Uh, great CGI, and I've gotten figures. Oh, I think I have two blind packs of like figures from there. Uh, there's like this thing that's a stand that uh, holds up this silver uh, droplet, um, which is a a thing that appears. It's a big deal thing in the in the, in the book series, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like this big box of like three body problem merchandise that like 
who knows if everyone else has ever seen this before in America. It, it feels really good. And like just the kindness of having it sent to me was just, just an amazing oh. experience. That, like years ago, you turn the page and then years later, you're opening up a box. It just didn't expect to say. Well, just wait until the Netflix series from the Game of Thrones guys comes out. <laughs> and Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Your favorite. No joke. No joke. The Netflix, like all, all these ducks in a row of like, you know, how, the worst way you can adapt anything. Netflix, the guys who did Game of Thrones and Ryan Johnson all involved. Uh, actually, Keith, uh, I got a little bit of inside information about oh. uh, Ryan Johnson's involvement in that. Uh, yeah, yeah. At the darkest moment. Um, in three body problem, Ray right. Skywalker is going to appear in Salt. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Ray, um, three body problem fans will find this funny if I say that uh, Ray Skywalker could beat a droplet. Uh, so wait, wait, Matt, Matt, uh, Matt, you did read it, right? Yeah, yeah, I read it for sure. Okay, cool. Then yes, <laughs> she could beat a droplet with her bare and, uh, hands. No problem. Look, she can do anything, Keith. We all know that. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's because she's a diet that's uh that's, that's how it works yeah, but yeah awesome. um let's see <laughs> um i think like that was just like a huge freaking deal for me so i think i'll stop there unless something else comes to my mind that i needed to talk about but yeah that's what i've been geeking on next up is mj We've been geeking on lately. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go on. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, what about everything everywhere all at once? Did you not oh, know? Was it not good enough for you to yeah. make, your, make your, your geeking on policy? Oh, no, no, no. It definitely is. Uh, I just forgot. And, like, I also want to talk about Stranger Things. I just want, I didn't want to take up Ooh. too much time. And then also, like, I, I think someone else might bring it up. So, uh, everything everywhere all at once was goddamn beautiful. It was a master work. Um, <laughs> even though there's, like, a, a flaw at the ending, which... It's just a part of the DNA of like the the movie itself, where it's trying to shove three act structures into like small universes that don't need to be revisited that much. But like you could tell, they loved so much what they were doing that they just kept going. And yeah, that was a beautiful movie, and I continue to just freaking fall in love with and adore Michelle Yeoh. And also, one of the butt plug guys is on my Facebook. so that was really cool to see because like you know he was fucking killing it in that movie like him and his brother um they were just thunder killing of their poses and like their moves and like uh you could tell that they're like holy shit holy fucking shit i get to fight michelle yo and then like there's like a behind behind the scenes video of them where they basically are saying shit I, i grew up watching her and then, like, yeah, like, the sheer joy they got with, like, practicing moves with her. And I was just, yeah, that movie was fantastic. I've always wondered if Michelle Yell regrets being a Bond girl, because that was not a good Bond movie. I, which, which one was she in? Uh, the uh, second Brosnan. Um, tomorrow Was it Tomorrow Never Dies? I, uh, maybe. Uh, I, 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 from what I could tell, she loved it. Like, you know, she got, like, that kind of Hollywood, you get treat like a queen she already is a queen and probably way easier and nicer than uh when she makes hong kong movies where she's freaking jumping on moving trains on a motorcycle so i think she probably loved doing some bondness but do you guys remember when she was michelle khan anybody else remember michelle khan oh okay like uh i actually thought like it was common but like i think it's like it's becoming a rare, uh, a little-known 
fact about her where when she first started her cinematic career, she called herself Michelle Kahn because it sounded more badass. And that's when I first met her in Heroic Trio and Heroic Trio 2, which to this day will pretty much blow your head clean off with the movies they pull off in there. But yeah, back then she called herself Michelle Kahn. And yeah. Um, What else did everybody think think about the everything everywhere all at once? No notes. Uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I think, uh, like, when people argue, like, the importance of diversity, this is the film that should be held up in the highest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the culture war, this is kind of what annoys me so much. Um, and I, Well, this is another point I was kind of interested to talk to you about. Um, is that a lot of it is that like this thing that exists needs to be changed to fit me uh, because I have the loudest voice uh, versus supporting like, you know, smaller creators and getting them to, they get that opportunity to make it on that next level. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I think this is like a big win. This is what people should be more supporting than like, you know, kind of, I don't know, Ghostbusters 2016 or the shitty car Charlie's angels reboot. Uh, I think it's the, the perfect strength of just sheer creativity on display uh fun genre filmmaking that still has heart and resonant themes that uh plays to the the sci-fi but also the intimate and the personal and i think it deserves everything that it's gotten and then the fact that like there's already like some backlash showing uh turning against it just shows you it's that good what kind of backlash could ever happen yeah i haven't heard about that uh, it's minor, but if you go on Twitter, you'll be like, oh, it's overrated amongst like, uh. you know, film, film Twitter circles. But like, uh. I, I, I always think that that's when like you have something like is that good that it gets oh, yeah. that kind of backlash. Some of them, someone's got to say it. Yeah, Somebody, when it yeah, that ubiquitous. But, uh, you know, I, I was telling you before, like, uh, Keith, you got to see this. You got to see this. It's, it's, it's really good, Keith. Complete, uh, yes. This, uh, so and, I, and then what was funny, it was like. Uh, while I was watching it, it was just like, ooh, ouch. You kind of look back over at uh, the Multiverse of Madness going, oh, man. Uh, this, uh, is, this what, is this what you're trying to do? Because, uh, right. yeah, you might want to take some notes here, man. Like, Oh, my God, ooh, Multiverse. Ouch. That was the starkest thing about it. I mean, it was a Multiverse of Madness with heart. It was like mm. everything mm. that Raimi and the mouse forgot when they vomited out that movie. <laughs> that is, uh, how, how embarrassing for you. It just came out the right. same year. Like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's it's sad because I mean, Multiverse of Madness was a through and through Sam Raimi movie, and I yes, loved every part of it for that. But as far as being part of the larger MCU, it was a train wreck. Yeah, yeah. MCU just that, like a train wreck. It was a, what, what we saw on the screen was massive business moves of allowing her to take on different roles and get away from the MCU. Yeah, it was definitely a mess because, like, on paper, it sounds like, oh my God, Doctor Strange. Oh my God, $200 million. Oh my God, Kevin Feige. uh, And the, like, you know, they have, like, this huge breadth of, like, fucking uh, Marvel stuff because now they own Fox and they have all this other crap. Uh, Mm -hmm. I want to see him in the Netflix universe. I want to see him in the X-Men 72. I want to see him in the Spider-Man animated series. I want to see him in the Super Friends. Oh my god, this is going to be so cool. But instead, (laughs) you just got like the most wrote and basic bitch story. (laughs) There's a girl! And Doctor Strange has to save this little girl from from demons! Oh. I remember the very beginning of it um, when then when we had like the quote unquote evil strange, like some of that dialogue, I was like, wait, is this actually the movie or is this like somebody's fantasy in the movie? Because this is so bad. I, well, here's here's he, a fun thing that the fun thing about the evil strange at the end there with the one that uh, 
the strange that we've known from all the other movies defeated so he could get the dark hold so he could go back against Wanda. Yeah. That's strange. Originally multiverse of madness was supposed to come out before no way home. That was the way the scheduling was originally done. And then the pandemic came up and blah explosion. Originally that evil strange from the end with the third eye coming out of his forehead, he was supposed to take the place of our doctor strange. And he was the one that Peter is supposed to go to and no way home. To help oh, him that actually makes a lot right. more sense because everyone was talking about like why is Doctor Strange acting so out of character? This does oh. not feel like something uh, Doctor Strange would do. Because that, that those was strains that those were uh, remaining strains from the original story arc they had right. going from Multiverse of Madness into No Way Home, but then the pandemic happened and it just blew up the production schedule from Multiverse of Madness, so they had to rewrite Multiverse of Madness and No Way Home. So they could adjust for the new shooting yeah. schedule, and that makes sense. I, I read that a couple of weeks ago, and that just like, oh my god, that would have solved so many of the stupid problems that Phase Four has right now. Oh um, my god! Yeah, well, I have one other thing. Uh, 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 do, uh, do I want to finish up on uh, marveling? Because I got one other thing I do want to geek on, and I just remembered. Because yes, I did need to speak about Top Gun. Oh, well, uh, is right. it as, I still haven't seen it, but I hear it's as good as everything everyone says it is. Yeah, yeah holy shit. Um, they belt. That was a grand slam out of the park that no one asked for. No one expected. I didn't believe people when they said better than the first. And it's they everything. I, I, I apologize for overselling it. But like when, the fir- when I first saw the first trailer, I laughed with my buddy Jason so hard. Because you're like, bah! oh my god, and like clearing tears out of our eyes. Like, I can't wait to not to watch this piece of shit. And then, like, all the, like, the reports start coming in. I'm like, all right, all right, let's see it. And, like, it doesn't take a couple seconds before you're like, oh shit, we are doing this. Like, the music kicks in, goes, and, like, you know, like, just like the first movie. And instead of like feeling like you're just doing a copy, you just feel like you're back into the future of the universe. They don't last Jedi. It, sorry, I had to say that. But like, yeah, you're feeling like the real actual progression of like Maverick, that world, um, the practical effects in there are off the fucking chain. Like a lot of like uh, the shots of like the actors are actually in fighter jets um, doing the, and they're not doing them, but they're like, you know, actually experiencing G forces and like the, the layout of the story, the direction a, it's a fucking grand slam, and I can't. I, if you can see this in the IMAX in the theater, make sure you do before it's gone because this is one of those things that you do need to see in the theater. Like it was that good. Yeesh. Yeah, it was. It was unexpectedly way better than expectations, alone the first movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've watched any of the last three or four Mission Impossible movies, but that, that's pretty much in the same vein that Cruz has had going with those last few movies since he's kind of taken over that whole franchise and I, made it his thing. Can, can I just say that like, uh, I mean, I, the mission possible things I find is like the weirdest franchise because like, I don't think anyone, like if you, you know, put someone at gunpoint on the street, they could tell you anything about like Tom Cruise's Ethan hunt character. Oh yeah. <laughs> about, about like what he makes it unique, but it's it just become like, you know, this is Tom Cruise's like uh place where he's going to do, you know, old fashioned Hollywood stunts. And that's what these movies are. (laughs) They're not a story. It's just how many old fashioned Hollywood stunts can we fit in to to, to one single movie to keep the old 90s and 80s movie star tradition alive? 
Oh, to his credit, when it comes to story, like I've only, I think when, with all the Mission Impossible ones, although I feel like I might not have seen the last two, I'm not sure, but like uh, they only had like one miss when it came to like a bad story. Other than that, I'll, I wouldn't say that I could describe Ethan Hunt's character, other than he is basically Tom Cruise. But the story that they do are usually pretty farkin' fantastic, and uh, yeah, Tom Cruise is basically the new Jackie Chan. The American Jackie Chan. <laughs> yeah, like, he's still going at, like, what Jackie Chan was once doing, and he's, like, like 82, and he's still, like, <laughs> going at it. It's pretty freaking wild. So, yeah, Tom Cruise, like, as much of what people think of him so far, I-, I think he's only missed once with me, and, like, otherwise his movies have always been, like, always great. What, The Mummy? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I- I'm not sure The Mummy was a complete miss for me. Uh, the, the for me the complete, complete miss that I hope I get to review with my buddy uh, a guy named John Humber who directed Dakota Sky he's an incredible uh, director he loves Eyes Wide Shut and I thought that was more like the worst that was one of the worst movies I, I've ever experienced so you're not a big Kubrick, Kubrick fan huh I am but that thing had oh. no God okay like it like I'll say that there's uh, I, I when people say that things don't have a plot uh, usually they just mean that they didn't get it they didn't like it it was a simple plot poorly written. Versus Eyes Wide Shut, where like all just a whole bunch of stuff happens. There's no resolutions to anything. It's just like a whole bunch of scenes I saw, and it didn't add up to much. And then like the last shot is of like Tom Cruise like going back to bed. And I'm like, okay, no, that wasn't good. So I feel, I'm positive I'm missing something, but yeah. go figure. That was a Kubrick's epitaph. That was the last movie he made before he passed. Yeah. But. Oh, damn. I'm not sure if he even did, did he finish it either. Or did someone yeah, he finished it. They they okay. just finished. I think they were in post production when uh, Kubrick passed on that. But um, but yeah, no. The reason I met, brought up uh, Mission Impossible because uh, ever since Cruise picked up with Christopher McQuarrie, who's written and directed pretty much everything Cruise has done the last seven years, that there's been this level of consistency throughout Cruise's work that it, it it works for a solid foundation for his action spam that he likes to throw up on the screen. And mm-hmm. as you know, you can make the case that Cruise is kind of self-obsessed with his own little empire that he has in his head. But you gotta admit, the results on the screen are pretty damn entertaining, usually. So, I gotta give him that. He really misses. Yeah, and, you know, it's just amazing to me, this is the first billion-dollar movie he's ever had. It's the highest-grossing movie he's ever been in. I'm very surprised. Yeah, I'm very surprised it took this long for him to hit a billion. Yeah, Which, that is surprising because he, well, he, it's this Tom Cruise's rugged, like the one time he submitted to like a franchise with the mummy, it like got him so badly burnt. And now he's just like, I'm going to, ah, I'm going to do it on my own with the old fashioned movies. <laughs> and uh, one thing I heard is that just like Top Gun just has a really solid story, just like a really tight story with great beats and uh, great characters. Uh, and that's outside of like all the like practical effects and like you know fil- filming in real jets and whatnot. That was another thing that kind of like it, it felt like they took their time versus just rushing through to get it out. Imagine that working so weird. <laughs> so and uh, because I'm um, petty I like this, um, uh, Top Gun oh, Maverick we- needs to just get ten million more and knocks the Last Jedi out of the top ten. Oh, oh, Maverick, go. oh, go Maverick, go, go Maverick, go. All right. Well, I'll go see let it go, this Keith. week. That shit's let, let it go, go man. <laughs> I, so, I, I, um, the, the other thing I was going to mention about that, and I've talked about this with Keith before. Um, there was an article that was floating around in Vulture 
about a month ago that proposed the alternate theory for the plot of <laughs> Tom Cotton Maverick, where, uh, yeah, Matt and Isaac, I don't know if you've actually seen the movie at all. or uh, I, don't, I don't mind. It, I, I, I'd like to see it, but I don't care about spoilers. So you, any alternate okay. takes, uh, I'm fine with. Uh, all right. Yeah, um, uh, it's not really a spoiler movie either. Like, it's like what, what you see on the screen, you get to experience it for the first. It, yeah, it's not like a, there's no twists. True. Yeah, yeah, go for okay. it. So, uh, this author posited the idea that um, when Tom, when uh, Maverick is flying the test aircraft that he's flying at the beginning of the movie, and he's, you know, it's a hypersonic test aircraft, and they're trying to get it up to Mach 10. Because, you know, become the fastest man on Earth and all this stuff. Uh, this author posits that when the aircraft broke up or started breaking up after it hit Mach 10, that the rest of the movie was actually a death dream for Maverick. <laughs> Oh, because um, uh, which which actually kind of the only reason I gave it any traction is right after because in the movie right after the plane breaks up in the sky and you're, you're you know they have this beautiful midnight shot of the aircraft breaking up at high altitude and like oh that's so pretty I hope nobody dies. <laughs> um, Maverick comes walking into a diner and everybody just turns and looks at him while he slams a glass of water and is like, "Where did you come from?" Kids just looking at him like you come from up there like he was an alien that just came down from space and there was just some ethereal feel to that scene it's like something's off here i don't i can't put my finger on what but something feels off I and then that- ed harris's ed harris's admiral character came in because supposedly this whole project was being funded by the navy for the flights and ed harris's character is just dressing maverick down that he's a dinosaur that fire jocks are on their way out and Everything's being replaced by drones, and it just felt like this is the intake for t- Maverick's good place. The rest of this movie is just going to be Maverick living out all of his regrets and trying to come to terms with everything that he left unfinished in his life. And it's like, holy crap! It just—I I, I still have to go back and watch the movie with that as an overlay just to see how the movie plays out that way. But it, it's kind of a theory I've latched onto that's actually kind of interesting. I would say, you know, I, I, I definitely don't feel it's officially what's going on, but no, it it's is not. a great it's not. overlay. Like, but also, maybe uh, subconsciously, like, um, when, like, you know, older men get to a certain point in their lives, like, they project, like, you know, what heaven, what they want to see, which is, like, why uh, Gene Roddenberry made The Next Generation. So, uh, Tom Cruise coming back to the heaven for Maverick. Kind of maybe you know, kind of looks like that on the screen. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This is you know, just because you consider how Hollywood some of the later scenes are in that movie. Like, wow, everything's coming up roses for Maverick here. Like, he even gets to use. Okay, I won't say that part. What he gets to yeah. use. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yes, there, there's a lot of uh, wish fulfillment going on in that movie, and. Yeah, like yeah, it, it's it's the heaven for Maverick. But yeah, uh, highly recommend anyone uh, if you can see it on IMAX, make sure you do because like you will not get to experience what I saw like on your television. Although it will still probably be pretty fucking good. Oh yeah, the All sound right. and visuals in that movie are just fantastic for a theater setting. Absolutely. All right, who's next for geeking? I talk too much. Um, is it uh, my turn or? Um, yeah, I was, gonna, I, was, I was actually saving you for last. Uh, I am going to do MJ first, unless you already said it. But 
MJ, what uh, are you geeking on? Well, what have I been geeking on? Um, well, just a little background. Um, I'm not a gamer at all, so that's part of the reason why I listen to this podcast is to listen on that aspect of the world that I really have zero visibility into. I find it fascinating, even though I don't actually game. Uh, same thing with uh, manga and uh, anime. I'm pretty basic with that. I mean, Cowboy Bebop and Akira, yeah, I'm right there. But everything else, that's a whole new world to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm mainly movies and TV shows and music. And lately, I've been doing a lot of trying to catch up on classic directors that I unfortunately have very little background on having watched, like David Cronenberg, Terry Gilliam. Um, even catching up on some Baz Luhrmann because he just came out with this Elvis biographical movie, which is actually pretty decent, even though it's two and a half hours of uh, what the fuckery as far as uh, visuals. But what's that? Uh, two and a half hours of gyrating, classic Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know how steeped you are in Baz Luhrmann's movies like um, Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet. Romeo, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. He came out with in the late nineties, and. Yeah. Strictly ballroom, all that stuff. He uh, he is def he's definitely of that um, stratum of Australian New Zealand directors that like Taika Waititi and early Peter Jackson. You know, before Lord of the Rings. I don't know how many of his movies you saw before Lord of the Rings, but you would never guess it was the same director. Um, I'm curious, very in your face, hyper. What's that? What Cronenberg have you looked into? Like what? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I am in embarrassingly embarrassingly out of touch with uh most of cronenberg's filmography i've seen scanners in the fly and i only saw Ooh. the fly about a month ago well those, <laughs> are, those are pretty good ones uh yes. he's got an, he's got a new big joint coming soon the crimes of the future yeah that actually just came out streaming um that was the, that's what kind of triggered me to finally get back into it because before that he was the guy i knew that did scanners and did the fly and has been on the last couple seasons of star trek discovery like was this Cronenberg guy? Wait, yeah, I, I know. I it. can't tell if you're joking or not. Wait, wait. He was actually like that. He like played a character on uh, Discovery. Oh, you guys didn't. Um, Doctor Kavalik. Once um, Discovery got flung forward 800 years. Yeah. That uh, really uptight guy who wears the suit and tie. Holy and shit! And that's David Cronenberg. Uh, <laughs> Holy yeah! I don't think I've ever seen him before. And yeah, no, he damn yeah, he's, he's been just like walking around in front of me this entire time. Yeah, I do yep. know that guy. Yep, that is the man. COVID. I did yeah, not think yeah. he acted. Me neither at all. Cool. I had no idea. Also, I'm looking. Sorry, I'm looking through his uh, filmography right now. <clears throat> Number one, I had no idea he directed History of Violence. Uh, that's yep. a surprise. Yeah, that surprised me. me too. Um, uh, the, the, other one, surpri- the other ones I wanted. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, less of a surprise is Nightbreed. Um, yeah. Nightbreed. I had no idea that he directed that. I've, I love Nightbreed. It's such a weird fucking flick, but uh, that's great. Anyway, yeah, you were saying. Yeah, the other ones I wanted to check out of his uh, existence. I keep hearing how great that one is. <laughs> and history oh, violence. Years ago when I hated it. Um, I, I was I, not I, a huge fan myself, but um, uh, the, the attempt. The guy is a, a master. Like even if his, Even his failures are pretty much like thank you for you know doing this i, I, I do agree with that he's like one of the, one of those like unique directors that we have to celebrate every time he does something even if it is a little bit of a misfire yep i was like Ugh! but i'm glad i experienced it and like dude went hard like have what he was going for so 
he, he and like his uh yeah his latest one crimes of the future i really wanted to see that one because i mean it's Viggo mortensen i can't rarely go wrong with him but mm-hmm. uh, just getting watching the trailer i got some such strong transmetropolitan vibes off that i don't know if any of you guys have read that series first of all parts of it, 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 it yeah that's also a great comic series you know, one I'm still actually kind of hoping will be adapted to screen sometime because that'd just be bloody amazing. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Oh yeah, uh, guy with the weird glasses, Spider yeah, Jerusalem. Spider Jerusalem. Yeah, yep. the chair leg of truth. Yep, <laughs> I've, I've I've read a little <laughs> bit of that. Um, not enough. I think. Uh, did you have that in your bathroom, Keith? Uh, Transmetropolitan. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, I, I think did. Some, that was some of your bathroom reading. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Embarrassingly, like I, I my, my buddy, like lent me that book, and I sat on that for like two years. I, it, I was. Yeah, I'm sorry, Josh. If you hear this, I'm sorry. Eventually, got it back to him. I eventually got it back. What you did? Well, now <laughs> he knows where it's been. Like three years <laughs> in my bathroom. Um. Anyway, I'm um, it now as we say this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been geeking on? Oh, Terry Gilliam. That was another director that I thought I had a fairly good insight into his filmography, but I'm woefully short on. I mean, I've seen the basics like 12 Monkeys, My Python, The Holy Grail, Fear and Loathing. Uh, I just saw The Fisher King this week, finally, which is a fantastic oh, movie if you guys have never what seen a crazy, that. What a crazy flick. But my, I, I almost have to have my film watching cred removed because i haven't seen brazil i haven't seen time bandits and i haven't seen the adventures of baron munchausen and that's you embarrassing talk, me. you talk with such shame but like I, I think what you're doing is really impressive like uh i think it's a great thing to be like you know uh screw all this i'm gonna go back to this great filmography and just catch up on all these great directors it, it's something i feel like i i, I should do but mm-hmm. most of the time i just like go to easy lazy dreck just because i like easy lazy dreck but uh, no I, I think what you're doing is uh really commendable and impressive and i applaud you Agreed. It also it also feeds into this other uh, thing I've gotten into in the last uh, four years because uh, going back to the Mission Impossible I mentioned before, I didn't watch any of the Mission Impossible movies after Mission Impossible Two because I hated that movie with a burning passion. <laughs> Mission Impossible Two is really all. bad. That's the bad one. That was a bad one. Like <laughs> so and that was I John Woo. To see, yeah, and that, that was that was the thing that really stomp me is it's a john woo movie why yep. do i hate a john woo movie so much I was ready i was like let's do this and then like after it came i was like i, I was embarrassed for john woo i was like um what happened <laughs> well that, that was the same year that uh tom cruise came out with magnolia which is another oh my god shoot me Fantastic. movie uh, uh, apologies to anybody who likes any everything of paul thomas anderson's filmography i just cannot really oh, i love yeah. that movie i absolutely I, oh love magnolia I, I have not seen it i i just know it's like really held held in the high esteem uh, in his filmography and in like you know film canon pantheons i'm surprised you hate it so much yep well why do you hate it be fair i've never seen it fair. To be fair, I saw it during the period of my life when my early twenties, when I thought I knew everything already, like oh. you know we usually do in our early twenties. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> so was nice. I was being a, I was being a snobby jackass more than likely. Yep. But I, uh, I've been, that's I've, one of those. Lo- yeah, it's one of those movies I keep meaning to go back to and revisit. So that'd be interesting. But, um, yeah, I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be curious, like uh, what your thoughts are on it now, is like with a, a revisit. Yeah. Okay. We're, um. Yeah. I was going somewhere with that. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm also getting let's see. Oh, Mission Impossible. So uh, after when the, the latest Mission Impossible movie came out, um, 
I decided to finally go back and watch the rest of them because some other people had talked so highly about the rest of the movies in the series. I'm like, all right, fine, fine, we'll give it a chance. So I watched the rest of them and I just, I just, I just ignore Mission Impossible too because the rest of them are actually pretty damn good. So from then on, at point in the last four years, whenever there's a major movie coming out that really interests me, I start watching all the previous movies in that series so I can get caught up on because usually I haven't seen them all. So like, uh, Fear and, um, the Fast and the Furious series, I did that last year because that's just a roller coaster of what the fuckery left and right. But it's entertaining. And damned if you don't want to go to a cookout and just hang out with your family afterward. But, um, <laughs> so like this year with, um, like building up to Multiverse of Madness, I rewatched all of WandaVision and rewatched the Doctor Strange and rewatched that What If episode, thinking maybe, maybe they might include that. But lo and behold, Feige gave us the finger on that one. And um, that led into with the Jurassic World Dominion that just came out. I actually oh, well, saw that. And What did you think of that? Um, in the pantheon of the Jurassic franchise, it was probably the third best behind the first movie and Jurassic World. It wasn't as bad as it probably would have been if I hadn't watched the previous five movies before I went and saw it. Because I'd never seen Jurassic Park 2 or 3 before I saw Oh, it. interesting. Um, I was so thinking... I, oh, sorry, I'll finish, finish your thought. I finally watched those, and... I should have seen the early signs of Steven Spielberg's filmmaking abilities start to go on the decline when he spent 15 minutes of... Ian Malcolm and his whole team trying to get out of that truck that was hanging off the cliff. I was trying oh. to figure out why that scene was taking so long. It took, it was a 15 minute scene of them trying to escape that and get away from the Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm positive because the way, the way it was described <laughs> in the book was so freaking iconic. And I have to imagine it took an insane amount of work. I, and like, I, I, they, I, they put so much work into it. They're like, you're going to sit through every minute of this. I, I spent yeah. like months. I'm sorry, I, I got to stop you there, Keith, uh, okay. because I have an interesting insight it, it, into that thing. So I, I went on like a Jurassic Park video binge on YouTube after seeing the most recent movie. Uh, I didn't like it, uh, but then again, I think all the ones after the first one kind of suck to different degrees. Um, but um, that's fair. <laughs> but uh, I did hear this really interesting thing that apparently, so the first Jurassic Park came out, it was so successful that before Michael Crichton even wrote the book, uh, Steven Spielberg just like went into like a cafe with like a, sc- you know, the screenwriter and a storyboarder and just came up with shit he wanted to see in the next movie. And oh. chief among them was that uh, the RV chase, the, the RV escape scene. I apologize. I'm mixing up things. I'm old now. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of the first, for some reason, not the RV, that did suck a lot. Uh, I was thinking of, like, the first movie when, like, that one truck kind of chases them down the tree as they kind of try to climb out of it. So it looks like, yeah, like, they're trying to top that and got too carried away and just stuck with it. Well, oh, the, uh, oh, we're back in the truck again scene, right? Mm. That's what you're talking about? <laughs> I do, but... Yeah, but I do remember, now maybe, I mean, I'm old too, but like, I, I do remember in the book, like that scene taking a long time. Now, I'm like, not saying that it was great in the book or anything like that, but I do remember a huge focus on it, uh, on them it being. Was a big, it was a big set piece in the book uh, where they have like the T-Rex thing. I think it played out a little differently, but you're right. That, that, that was like a major component of the Lost World book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it won't necessarily translate to, to film as well or anything, or, you know, who the hell knows, but uh, yeah. It should have um, been, been five minutes and done. 
Yeah. But then the rest of the movie happened, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe we can go back to the truck hanging off the edge of the cliff now. But <laughs> anyway, turns out you didn't um, know how good you had it. <laughs> Although Dominion, the- Dominion, uh, to to its credit, it whole, if that was going to be the last movie, it's a good end cap to the entire Ooh. franchise. And I hope and pray beyond all they don't make any. Wait, did, just would you say done. that uh, Dominion ended in a way that could end the story? Yeah, it, it was a good. It was a good leave off point for the whole franchise. And oh wow! Okay, it's well, just it, just the way they laid out the story elements. But at the same time, if you've watched all of the movies, you're still wondering what the hell happened to Isla to uh, the other island that they had, the uh, Isla Sorna, that uh, Jurassic Park two and three took place on. Because the first movie and then the rest of the then uh, like the fourth or fifth movie, the Jurassic World movies, they took place on Isla Nublar, and that was the one that was destroyed by the volcano in um, what was it, uh, Fallen Kingdom? But then they had the other island that supposedly all of the dinosaurs were created on, and then they were shipped over to Isla Nublar for the park, and they just never explained what the hell happened to Isla Sorna. It was just. Do you feel like the people making the movies are like are just saying, "Don't worry about it. We were just stop thinking about it." Or do you feel like maybe at all they do know and they might use it in the story at all ever again? My fear is that they're going to use that as the lead in to possibly reviving the franchise, in which case I'll speed bag them in the nuts if they do. Because <laughs> just stop. Um, I mean, it's, my it's, take I mean, on. Hmm? Go ahead. Yeah. You flip. You're first. Sir. Yeah, it's just I, I, the whole franchise is played out. They're really. Even from Jurassic Park 2 on, you can tell it was really played out. The fact that they are able to squeeze water from the rock for the first Jurassic World movie was amazing. was pretty much a feat unto itself. So I'll the, give them credit for that. But th- there's just nothing left to say or my, tell my t- that whole franchise. My take on the franchise, that first movie, uh, like I was there. Jaws dropped. Holy shit. Like, we can do this with technology now? And then like uh, yeah, all the sequels except for I'm I, I'm one of those people again. I'm gonna I'm gonna su- the Suicide Squad this, but I actually like Jurassic World. I'm so sorry, I did it, did it. Um, well, I too. It's it's a it's an entertaining movie. I'll give yeah, that. Like I, I say, it was it was it was a good way to revive the franchise after two and three because two and, and three were just blah. <laughs> and the final direction I want things to end up in for this world is uh, basically has anyone seen the cartoon Cadillacs and Dinosaurs? I know of it. It's really good once you figure out once you like that once you find out that like you're in a post apocalyptic world and whatnot because the cartoon does nothing to set you up like why is everything like this they just jump right into it but um yeah I've always wanted like a movie about like you know having to watch out for dinosaurs in your neighborhood or an attack or just like you know an infestation of dinosaurs on the planet and how we would survive that like it sounds like so much fun to me. So. Although, although uh, can I just throw out this random thought, though, since we're talking about Jurassic Park? Um, I kind of wish Spielberg would do this before he, like, retires from directing. But, like, I think Spielberg would be a great horror director. And I kind of wish he did a yes. straight-up horror movie uh, ju- based on, the, you know, stuff he did in Jurassic Park uh, and, you know, Temple of Doom. Uh, just when he decides to go mean. I think I think the world needs a, a pure Spielberg horror movie. Yep. Yeah, when no, I mean, mean, Spielberg is a fantastic horror film director. I mean, look at Jaws. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And I, I wish you'd and, do another one. <laughs> and technically, Poltergeist is is horror ish. 
Um, but it's kind of it's kind of you know. But Jaws is you know for me top three horror movies of all time. So I agree with you completely. No, that would be fantastic. I would love that. Yeah, when Spielberg if goes was... mean, like you don't forget those images ever for the rest of your life. I'd have to uh, posit that maybe Spielberg about twenty years ago. I'd want to see that, but. I don't know. At this point, it just feels like he's riding out the rest of the train here. He's like, oh, I'll get a couple other things out of the way. And, oh, I want. Can I do West Side Story? Cool, I'll do West Side Story. I just, I don't know. After Ready Player One, I just kind of gave Oof. up on him. That didn't even seem like a Spielberg movie. All right, wait, okay. All right, let's, let's not get too caught up. Um, we got still a movie to talk about. Right, um, right, right. right. Sorry. Yeah, real quick. Sorry, I kind of kept going on tangents here. Um, for all mankind, I don't know if you guys, if you guys have uh, seen that show, but I think it's fantastic. It's uh, it's on Apple Plus. Uh, it's basically a series. The premise is that what would the world have been like if the Russians had beat the Americans to landing on the moon, and how's how the, the ensuing the- and how the ensuing decades would have played out after that. And it's actually been, and. It's a what if show. It's actually ended up pretty, being pretty fascinating and pretty interesting. How, how's the third season where they're like going to Mars? I hear that that's uh, pretty interesting as well. And I saw clips of the second season where they have like space marines on the moon, which was as like astronauts. <laughs> yeah, because uh, one of the main components is if the Russians had sorry, kind of spoiler is if the Russians had beat the Americans to the moon, that the, the show posits that the space race would still be going as strong. 30 years later, rather than kind of dying out about the mid eighties when it, you know, everybody's like, Oh, look, space shells. Who, who cares? Um, the Soviet union did not dissolve. Uh, the, the, you know, the cold war didn't end and all that fun stuff didn't end at the end of the eighties. And basically the, with the space race continuing, actually accelerating technological advancements that we didn't see for another 15, 20 years after it's being portrayed in the show. So that's kind of cr- like um, in the third season, they're doing video conferencing while they're in space from the moon and from Mars. And how soon did we see video conferencing actually become viable in our timeline? Not till what, mid 2000s? My friend, yeah. just made a sale. I had no idea of this concept yeah. at all. And this sounds well, fantastic. Well, yeah, because the, the other hook for me was the fact that it was co created by Ronald D. Moore of uh, Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek Next Generation fame. So I'm like, Okay, Ronald D. Moore's involved. It should be pretty interesting. Um, or I do actually know. got me to uh, actually got me to respect Joel Kinnaman because the only exposure to Joel Kinnaman I'd had before that was the first Suicide Squad movie, and nobody really looked too good yeah, after that movie. It was really good. Like everybody kind of liked that one movie. <laughs> you're still, <laughs> you're still, <laughs> still fighting for it <laughs> forever and ever. So wait, uh, for all mankind, is Ronald D. Moore? Yep. Yes, it is. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm the, second even, season, uh, the second season started leaning a little too hard on the drama aspect of it, so, which kind of dragged it down. And the second season really is a bit of a uh, bridge season between the first season and the current season. But uh, the third season has been really great. Uh, I'm not too fond of what they're doing with one of the main characters right now and get the feeling it's going to lead to the uh, exiting of one of the main main characters. But we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But uh, Great other than that, yeah, it's uh, it, I know it's yet another streaming service you have to subscribe to and yada yada. But 
Apple Plus, for some reason, has been getting a lot of quality stuff in there between that and Mystic Quest and uh, a few Ted of the Lasso. other shows I have in there. Yeah, Ted Lasso. Yeah, definitely Ted Lasso. Uh, the other one was uh, the Umbrella Academy, which I'm still watching for some reason, just like the Doom Patrol on, or as I like to call them together, the Doom Umbrella Patrol Academy, because they're basically <laughs> the same show. <laughs> yeah, is it is it just my imagination, or did it take a bit of a dip with this season? Like, right off the bat, I felt like something felt a little bit off with it. Well, maybe it's just, maybe it's just me, but uh, <laughs> but I'm watching it, too, and I'm just not as enjoying it as much as I did previous seasons. Umbrella Academy? Yeah, yeah, or Umbrella Doom, Academy. Okay. Well, it was great, because, I mean, the first season, it pretty much felt like the Royal Tenenbaums with powers, which mm-hmm. was, you know, entertaining unto itself. And then second season, they got flung around in time, like, okay, this is kind of neat, and... Because, I mean, it's the whole reason of watching shows like that and Doom Patrol and even Legends of Tomorrow is you just love the wacky family dynamic that all these disparate characters come together with. I mean, they all have this simmering loathing for each other, yet they still hang on for each other because they care at some level for each other and still watch each other's back. I don't know why I find that so interesting, but I end up watching those shows all the time. I've heard that. I've heard nothing but good things about Doom Patrol, but it yeah. doesn't feel as popular as Umbrella Academy. I tried watching the f- a bit of the first season, but I kind of ducked out what it felt like. Um, I don't know, a typical Netflix thing where like things were being stretched out further than they were, and it was you know a little too hard with the "We're not your dad, superheroes. We're the quirky superheroes who have dance parties." <laughs> um, but uh, which one do you, would you say is b- 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 more consistent, Umbrella or Doom Patrol? Uh, more consistent. I consistency wise, I'd have to say Umbrella Academy. Really, you don't but like as uh... far, but as far as my the number of intriguing characters, maybe Doom Patrol. Because I mean, I do like the arcs for some of the individual characters. I'm still trying to figure out how they've been able to keep Cyborg in that cast for all three seasons of what they've had going on. Because I keep waiting for him to jump over the Titan show, but then that's a whole other train wreck. I won't. You guys with, uh, which is funny because uh, Doom Patrol is a back end, back end, uh, backdoor pilot off the first season of Titans. Like, okay, that's really weird to throw in randomly in the middle of Titans. Do they? Uh, yeah, I remember that. Do they continue to share a universe? I want to say yes, but then you never know. Okay, I mean, who knows what the hell they're doing at WB nowadays? But um. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I really like the last season, this past season of the Umbrella Academy, but I really hope the fourth season, which is pretty strongly implied is going to happen, is their last one, because I don't know how much further they can carry it past another season. Um, kind of same thing with Doom Patrol. I, I almost wish Doom Patrol would wrap it up, too, because, you know, there's only so much misery you can watch a whole group of people <laughs> go through for multiple seasons. Yeah, but, I'll probably uh, be checking out... Uh... For all mankind, and I, Doom Patrol, I've been, yeah, holding off for a long time. Umbrella Academy, uh, I guess, like, at glance, it just never really captures me, so I haven't tried yet. But, all right. Um, next person, the but Geek on that, Yeah, go ahead, please. Sorry. But, and the last thing, yes, I promise it's the last thing. Please, please. I've been rereading the uh, Sandman books before the Netflix series starts up, and How's hoping and praying. Still just fantastic as the first four or five times I read it. I, yeah. I, I know I know there are a lot of people that are like, oh, Neil Gaiman, he's so overrated. I I love the way he wrote Sandman. So I mean, for, I, tried, I, read I, tried reading, I tried reading some of his other books, and 
his other books for some reason just never really hit me as well as Sandman did. Yeah, uh, hoping and praying the show carries that through. In the nineties, I, I gave it. A, uh, someone gave me Sandman. It took my breath away. Like I never read a comic on that level. So I'm glad to hear that it still holds up. Oh man, uh, we'll have to see what happens to Netflix. Uh, but oh, it, <laughs> that trailer does not look good, at least from what I've seen. Right, and Gaiman's record for adapting his works to TV has been spotty at best. I mean, he kind of leans on needing a good cast to really carry it through because, for whatever reason, the story just not does not translate to the screen as well, like Good Omens or American Gods or what have you. But yeah. my fingers, eyes, and toes are crossed. All right. Isaac, what have you been geeking on? All right. What have I been going through? Um, recently, I was watching that Bastard on uh, Netflix, uh, which, uh, you know, the anime adaptation of the old manga Bastard? Mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, it's uh, not very good, but... Um, I, I was going find- to say. <laughs> it would be insulting. I was like, yeah, I, I remember for a long time. I, I've, I've been seeing it forever. It just looks so aggressively generic anime that I just couldn't try. And then like, I saw people getting excited for it. So I did try, but so yeah, what, what do you feel about it? I, I mean, I think it's, it's as good of an adaptation of like subpar material as you can get. Uh, like, I, I guess I'm just marveled by the fact that like something where like, you know, you got this obnoxious hair metal guy who's like roping fantasy girls left and right. And, and that, that actually made it on Netflix in 2022. So that impresses me, even if I don't think it's like the storytelling is particularly great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do appreciate the 80 schmaltz, um, uh, which is uh, fun and interesting, but you know, I, I would not say it's good. <laughs> not, not by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, you know, it's, it's schlock. I'm making my way through, and uh, I, I like schlock. I probably should do what your other buddy here is doing: is like see all the great works of Stanley Kubrick I've yet to see, or the uh, Cronenbergs. But at the end of the day, sometimes I just like dumb sh- McDonald's schlock, which is what. <laughs> bastard is <laughs> and you get, you get something from art like whatever yeah. you need to get you get it so. yeah exactly uh and i am a purveyor of trash i am a panda sometimes um <laughs> where i like going through the refuse uh i also saw a, you know stranger things 4 i thought was mostly pretty good um i do think it was like extremely fucking self-indulgent and to me it felt like um they they kind of like had the realization that oh fuck we gotta end this so to me a lot of it feels like shit they should have done in the second or third season of like introducing like a sub antagonist before introducing the mind flare and working your way up to him. It also feels like an idea that they may have, should have done where like each season was kind of a riff on like a new horror movie concept only explained through the upside down. So here we've got Hellraiser slash um, whatchamacallit, uh, Freddy Krueger uh, through like the Vecna. And I, I think it's really fun and really well executed. And I think the episode four moment, the uh, running up that hill is like, you know, peak uh, cinema or like, it's a great example of like, you know, getting your fi- your your um, sci-fi concept in your um, narrative to line up perfectly with the music as she's like running away and she's the vision of all their friends. But <laughs> then you also have shit like the, the entire Hopper storyline. Oh, <laughs> which I, I despise. I just think it's like cartoony. And I think stranger things works best when it feels, you know, hyper stylized, but realistic, or it feels believable with the idea that like, 
<laughs> he's like breaking his ankles to get out of like locks and he's not yeah. like horribly crippled and it, it's just like this really schmaltzy really like over the top action sequence that just feels so out of place that it's just like you know you love these characters you love uh what you call it uh Gwyneth Paul or you know Winona Ryder and Hopper so much you'll love the 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 fun gimmicky Russian guy and you'll also love this other guy uh, you know how much they force to keep them on screen like they just they just work so hard to keep them on screen and like every time the Hopper stuff would appear my eyes would narrow. It was just like, I, I wish they would like rein it in because Jesus Christ, it does not work. It is like uh, just this ultimate excess of money and just being, it just feels like this weird vanity thing that does not need to exist at all. Um, I saw like a quick interview, with like some of the actors, like the two of the kids and they're like saying like, yes, please kill some of us off, please. <laughs> there's just too many of us. But um, a thing I've been noticing through like the years, like looking at like behind the scenes stuff, is like how much actors seem to uh, experience like a property like they're like they're playing D and D. It's like you know they they care about the character and they do get kind of hurt if like that character is killed off. So I think well, like you know like everybody looks like they're such family and happy with each other that I feel like they're too scared to do it. Well, yeah, uh, and uh, I think that is also uh, – it was funny. I, I think I saw that interview with Millie Bobby Brown when she's like, kill kill some more people off, and, and they're right. They keep on – like um, this – something like Stranger Things works because it feels like the characters, their stakes and the characters are, um, be- are believable, and when you hurt them, you, you like them more, so you need to hurt them. And when you've got like this cast of like unkillable characters – who are now trouncing to the upside down like they're going to Radio Shack. Mm. <laughs> it, it just makes that there's no stakes. So I was very pleased when they like, you know, break Max's uh, arms. And But I'm also like wondering like uh, the portal to the upside down, the portal to hell's open. Why is everyone acting like, oh, oh, oh another crazy disaster in Hopkins versus like the world altering event that it's supposed to be? Uh probably government cover-up, but, like, they, they're supposed to be a time jump after this ending. So, I really hope they really do actually lean into, so, what does the world do when they actually know that demons and hell are real? Yeah, like, it, it, exactly. Like, I, I would, would like, ooh, Robin's having a mute cute with the lesbian at the aid center. I'm like, uh, do we just forget the fact yes. that you have the entire goddamn thing open, this is the worst case scenario. You are not equipped to deal with this. You only have one superpower girl. She can't fix it. You are fucked. You are fucked. You are fucked. They, they, they know way that, like, yeah, they, they, they're a little too aware of their plot armor. Like, um, like the, 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 that they would just go to Russia to save uh, Hopper from a prison. Like, not have, like, a special forces. No, we're the main characters. We could do it. Or... Yeah. How about like we gotta save uh, Eleven from a uh, give like an unfindable government institution? Sure, yeah, let's just drive in that direction. All right, and you're like, mm-hmm, okay, you know, uh, I guess you guys are the main characters. So whatever. also, one thing I hope they don't do in the final season because um, like they they made it very obvious that like Will's gay when he's like crying when he's like tells Mike that he's the heart and he's in love with him. Mm-hmm. I, I just hope they don't have a scene where like he comes out to Mike and he says. You know, oh, I feel so isolated. It's like I'm a stranger thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, the stranger thing is that hair on Will's head. How can they have 
that god awful ball cut on the kid for every poor bloody guy. season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the poor kid. That yeah. that's that was that's also yeah, I've been yeah, it's horrible. What what how? It's in, it's just, it's distracting. It's actually um, incredibly it's, distracting. Yeah, because like yeah, they're they're trying to maintain the the cartoon nature of these characters. Like each person has their own silhouette that they have to keep uh, up through the seasons. Oh, also, can I just say, like, I have a theory that, like, they divide the, the, the groups by acting ability. Like, the A team is, like, the Steve, Nancy, uh, Dustin. Uh, B team is uh, Eleven. Uh, C team is Hopper uh, and Winona Ryder. And then the D team is Will and uh, Finn Wolfhard, who just seem like they're, they're kind of, like, the worst performers. <laughs> I, I noted that, too. Um, and I don't remember being like, um, particularly noticing Finn Wolfhard's acting in previous seasons, but this one, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, it was, it was a little awkward. Um, I've but, never uh, figured out the love affair with Finn Wolfhard cause he was in the last Ghostbusters. He was in, God, what else is he been in? It. It's like, mm-hmm. why, why does everybody love putting this kid into everything? He's. If you're listening, but I, I, I'm not a fan. Sorry. <laughs> I think they, like the Stranger Things hit really hard um, culturally, and like now he's a visual touch, touchstone to that yeah. kind of joy and pleasure. So he is actually, if you want to make sure um, you get that kind of fun with like a ghost and a wolf fart. He was he was in two '80s themed music videos too. Hmm. Uh, one for uh, Ninja Sex Party, uh, Danny, don't you know? And uh, very 80s themed. It was about um, the Danny Sex Bang, the main singer in the 80s. And mm-hmm. then uh, another one, uh, Weezer did their cover of Take On Me and uh, very 80s themed. And that also had Vin Wolfhard in it. So yeah, uh, he's like become this, yeah, this kind of like youth touchstone for the 80s. Um, we'll see how much longer that lasts. <laughs> it's not gonna last very long because I, I thought it was very noticeable that like i don't know maybe like what he was doing really worked for like an 11 year old but his acting ability didn't quite increase like millie bobby brown's uh, also um they, they they did my poor boy matthew modine dirty they did him so fucking dirty oh yes yeah. yes they did that was they, uh they like give him a redemption arc then he like arbitrarily kind of changes sides uh j- just to like throw in a little conflict it's like oh come on can't you just have him be like a good guy or whatever and have him sacrifice himself why does he have to be like an evil guy who like wants to suppress uh 11 why does he have to be a blocker for this uh, obnoxious uh military action sequence <laughs> uh, uh but- the first yeah, part, the first part of Stranger Things, I was amazed by how good it was because uh, I thought the season before this was shit. Um, oh, and they they came hard to me this season with like great directing, tight writing, and then the next part, like all that stuff. And it wasn't bad actually. It didn't fall apart to me. It's just like a lot of like little more iffy things start popping up by the end. Yeah, uh, I mean, oh sorry, yeah, no, 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 finish your thought, then I'll go with mine. Oh yeah, well, it's kind of going back to what you were saying earlier um, about how indulgent it was. That last episode is two and a half hours. It's like longer than most movies. It's that was bananas. I don't understand why they couldn't just cut it up into multiple episodes. I don't understand. But that said, yeah, overall, I really loved it. There was no point that I was watching this season of Stranger Things and said like, eh, I'd rather be watching something else. Or I, I never really got bored. It's still enjoyable as hell. Like it's, and I was sad when it was over. So yeah, always looking forward to more Stranger Things until I'm not. 
Uh, yeah, uh, overall, I'd still say I really enjoyed the season. It had a lot of great moments. Uh, I just uh, wish the uh, Rousseau brothers learned a little restraint uh, and um, maybe use the or the Duffer brothers. Uh, oh, don't get the brothers confused. <laughs> I, I, I wish they had a little bit, tiny bit more restraint uh, and um, didn't uh, uh, throw their thirty million dollars per an episode at like dumb, useless things. But like the, the highs were high, and I, I don't deny them. Uh, like I love that episode for the I can't get the running up this hill uh, out of my head, and I even love the montage where all the threads come together. And even as cheesy and dumb as Hopper picking up like a medieval battle sword to kill the Demogorgon, <laughs> it, was still, it was still cool. Yep, and which was not actually the Conan, Conan sword. Yeah, yep. the actual oh. Conan sword prop. What the hell? Yeah, can yeah. someone explain to me why that's like uh, hiding in a Russian uh, prison? <laughs> but that's <laughs> another story. Is what they probably say. It's sorry for another time, as we would say. In- uh, sto- uh, thank you, Masconada. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, so uh, I know we want to get on to the main event, so I'll try and be uh, <laughs> quick and sufficient. Uh, also, we're watching Miss Marvel, which I mostly enjoyed. I thought it did a really good job of like showcasing uh, East Asian uh, Muslim communities. I thought the family was great. Uh, I thought she, she was really good. But, uh, God, the ending just pissed me off. So uh, spoilers for Miss Marvel, if anyone cares, but I don't think these are huge spoilers. That's a whole other sack of worms, which I will get to when I have issues with. Um, but uh, okay, so the Miss Marvel finds out that, they, uh, that she has like superpowers because they're like this uh, Jin people who come from the Nord dimension. Okay, that's fine. Uh, mar- multiverse of madness, multiple Marvel universes. They want to get home, and if they get home, that'll create bad shit. Um, the only problem with that is um, the villains suck. They're just kind of like, I want it back. And they're just like, you know, random people with weapons. uh, So they don't have any cool abilities or anything. Um, The main villain of the clandestine uh, basically gets um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark by the uh, the episode before the last one. She like (laughs) dissolves into a skeleton. So I'm watching this and I'm thinking, uh, okay, what the fuck? You've got one more episode to do. Uh, who, who's going to be the villain? What the fuck is going to go go on? How, how are you going to resolve this if you just like got rid of your main villain? So what happens is, for some reason, that's not really particularly well explained. Uh, her power or the, something transfers to her son, who's a good guy, and also a potential uh, love interest for uh, Kamala Khan, uh, Miss Marvel. Uh, but then he's well, like one on the show. Yeah, there's like three of them. The, the girl's got her little harem. Ooh, who's she going to go for? Is it the boring white science kid who's her best friend and really hoping she, that she'll finally notice him in a romantic way? Is it the dreamy um is it the dreamy guy with the really cool British accent? Ooh, or maybe it's the flirtatious guy with the red scarf who's adventurous and also into superheroes. Ooh, who could it be? I can't wait to find out. Love triangles ahoy. Um, <laughs> fantasy i want to sign you gotta have a ducky in the story man you gotta have a ducky <laughs> so uh, i didn't necessarily have a problem with that i think it fits the material it fits the the vibe uh i, I what my problem is like so the british one of the love interests uh gets these these uh, random powers and he's like oh god it's tearing me out it's it's exploding <coughs> excuse me so they show that like he she, the powers are bad he can't control them they're dangerous to other people but then the storyline is like uh, damage controls after him and they're like oh we got to get him away from damage control but i'm like N- no get him to the scientists 
get him to people who can help mm. get him to government officials he, he can't control his power he's a, he's a walking bomb <laughs> so that kind of loses my sympathy and they have this whole big thing where they have like a home alone thing where the one second let me just get a drink of water as i uh, get into my big rant sure what? Now to the big stuff. Now, now to the big stuff. So they're having like this Home Alone battle in the school where like the evil damage control agents are, are you know, they're invading the mosque. They're, they're being invasive. These are like the ACAB bad guys, I guess. Um, but it's like, this guy can't control his powers, so why am I supposed to be rooting for him to get away from people who could potentially help him? Right. Uh, and then they have, like, this whole big fight scene where he, like, kind of goes evil, and he's like, ah, I can't control, and he's, like, lashing out, and he almost, like, knocks a car into people, Mm -hmm. and people are rooting for it, and I'm like, well, why am I supposed to want to root for this guy? What, like... And they have, like, this Spider-Man moment where, like, Damage Control wants to seize Miss Marvel, but then all the people get in the way. And then even some of the cops do because they realize she's good. But, like, she's fighting against – she's supporting this guy who's obviously a danger and even visibly almost gets uh, some people killed, who gets into conflict with her and helps him escape. Why am I supposed to root for this? Why – like, why couldn't you just give her, like, a traditional villain? Like, I'm all – I'm all fine for, like, Raimi cheese and, like, having, like, a cheese where, like, everyone's, like, supporting her and gets behind her. But, like, just just give her, like, a a D-list supervillain to fight. Just give her, like, a regular narrative. I think it would have worked much better. So say that for the Marvels movie, man. Come on. So the the main fight was the damage control people are doing the right job of trying to stop a kid from destroying himself and everything. And they're treated as the bad guys. Yeah, that that was my reading of it. That's what it felt like to me. Like that they want to, but like the idea is like they're kind of like they want to imply that they're kind of racist, but they're not full all the way. Like there's this one scene where like the evil woman. It's very similar to WandaVision, where they had like um you know the uh, military and that evil military guy who's yeah. like a straight white guy and it's like but like most of the time you're like uh, yeah that's pretty reasonable she has everyone under yes. control <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I remember like arguing with people on my Facebook about this I was like no they're right she is taking a city hostage you you can't just like be cute with that yeah, like uh, I, I know that the, the the show wants us to sympathize with Wanda and think that he's the bad guy, but, but like I think the circumstances dictate that she's in the wrong here. The, uh, the there's there's some weird storytelling like that that has like iffy morality. Where like, wait, the, 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 the evil person you're portraying is evil is right. Like there's like this moment in um, Captain Marvel, um, where like she's going over things with like, these misogynist men are are mean to her, and then like uh, the morals she's got to stand back up. But, like, one of the quote-unquote bad men is, like, her father, who's, like, telling a little kid who's on a go-kart to slow down so she doesn't hurt herself. Um, and then, like, she doesn't listen, pedals the metal, and fucking almost kills herself. And you're like, no, he was right the entire time. Like, please don't kill yourself. Anyway, um, yeah, this is, like, weird stories, elements I see in, like, stuff lately where, like, the person is portrayed as bad, but no, if you're a kid that can take out a C block you do need to be taken care of. Like you, you just can't go off by yourself. 
Yeah, and uh, like I, I just like was not rooting for him, especially when they gave him like kind of quasi villainous moments. Mm-hmm. And it's like this big like fuck yeah, go Miss Marvel, uh, take that evil uh, a cab cops and uh, you know evil government for surveilling Muslims. And I, I just feel like there's a like a much better way you could um, do that. Well, one thing really interesting about Miss Marvel is uh, Keith. Did you see that uh, interview with the critical drinker and the directors of like the first and last episode? I didn't have to sit all the way through it, um, but I should. It's really, really interesting. And there's one really interesting insight. um, Because I feel like I did hear a couple of good insights. What did you hear? The the thing that really stuck out to me, uh, and I really enjoyed the interview. I thought it was a great meeting of the minds. Is that like, um, you know, critical drinker was like, oh well, the story's not. This is just all uh, fluff and boring. When's the thing gonna come on? And they're like, uh, dude, it's it's life's of life stuff. That's what the show's about. That's what it's supposed to be. And I agree with them. But then the critical drinker pointed out something that I think is like a key to sort of like that a lot of progressive stories are missing. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why people love manga so much. Um, is is that like, you know, he's like, I want to see the hero go through a hardship. I want to see them tortured and bruised a little bit. Because like, if you think about it, Iron Man gets uh, thrown into Afghanistan or Vietnam and has to build his way out of it. Um, Peter, you know, Peter Parker has to lose Uncle Ben. Um, and that like w- one thing that like um, those characters have that like Riri Williams, uh, Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, well, maybe not Miles Morales, he is a dead person, but then again, he's supposed to be a Spider-Man analog, have mm-hmm. that um, uh, the old ones don't, is that they're not as tortured as much. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's like um, the old hero, no, I guess they're old heroes. Um, the old heroes, they get their power through, yeah, torture, like something horrible happens so that they have to rebuild out of that dark situation and therefore create their superpower versus Ms. Marvel, who um, is, you know, a magical chosen one. And all she had to do is open up a chest and now she... Yeah, she, she puts on a bangle and then she gets hard light powers. Great. Fantastic. Did you say she's from another dimension with gin powers? Uh, so her family is from uh, is descended from people who are from another dimension and have gin powers. That's so that, awesome. That is that, a great idea. Well, it's a great idea until they fucking retcon it within five minutes of the teaser at the end of it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What do you mean? How do they retcon it? (laughs) Her her scientist white friend comes up and says, hey, there's something different about you that's different than the other thing I found out about you. It's like you have a mutation. And then they play like a Pakistani sting for like the the X-Men theme from like the cartoon. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like when uh, Professor X came out in Multiverse of Madness and they played that little tidbit of the X-Men theme. They did the same thing for Kamala. She's a mutant and she's got magical bracers? Here's here's the thing, and I I think this actually kind of pans into how suddenly Kamran got his powers after his clandestine mom was eliminated in the episode before. In the comics, Kamala's an inhuman. Okay. And, you know, there's, there's been no the braces. whole battle. And, you know, now with the MCU, they're trying to hinting at maybe you're a mutant. Um, this kind of goes back to the larger corporate narrative where Disney and the comic books have been trying to figure out, like, the Marvel Television versus MCU battle that's been going on for years until oh, yeah. Marvel Television got destroyed. Because remember, about five years ago, Inhumans were the thing. They had, Inhum- yep. they had the Inhumans. 
that were going to be a movie, then they turned into a series, and they were featuring the Inhumans heavily in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Disney was getting so pissed off at Fox that they couldn't get the rights back for the X-Men that they started de-emphasizing the mutants from the comic books. And they started, Ooh. you know, can, can I add, add kind of replacing with Inhumans. Can I add something to that? Uh, yeah, yeah sure. this story is like also oh, interesting. So Ike Perlmutter, who still owns I, uh, Marvel, he's like the is- Israeli billionaire, and he's like a really petty motherfucker. Um, so he literally like um, he's like you know fuck Fox, um, you know we're not going to promote the, uh, the, you know their shit in our books. So basically, yep. humans were propped up to basically serve as like the X Men for like a-, a number of years until everything got consolidated. I remember this because I'm a huge Agents of Shield fan. <laughs> And uh, I watched it happen there, like, oh, interesting. And I was actually kind of wanting it to happen, because um, having the Inhumans become a big deal in the MCU instead of, like, and, like, all the interesting sideways remixes you could do with the stories using Inhumans that we don't know about, that, to me, that would have been very interesting. But, yeah, it looks like now that they have mutants back, they're turning the Inhuman yep. into a mutant. So well, what's, your, what's your theory about... They're actually, de- it seems like they're de-emphasizing the humans again just because the show bombed. Of course, that's what happens when you get Scott Buck to run anything. Look at the last <laughs> two seasons of Dexter. That guy is such a lousy piece of crap. I'm sorry. I'm s- hopefully, if I ever meet him, oof. Anyway. Um, what else do you do yeah, that, so you, that you hate really quickly? Like, why uh, Scott Buck? Why is he a bad guy? Guys, it was the Inhumans series, the last two seasons of Dexter, and the first season of Iron Fist on Netflix. He was in charge of all three of those. Oh, wow. That's a that's a great I, resume. I challenge anyone to defend any of those, even though Dexter is probably the least offensive of the three. But um, <laughs> anyway, so now that they're de-emphasizing the Inhumans, the way that they kind of passed, had the powers for Comron get passed to him, it almost like they swapped out him being exposed to one of the crystals. I forget what the crystals called that the turn the, the Terrigen mist. humans. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The Terrigen mist. It's almost like he was exposed to the Terrigen mist and they had to write it out. And they're like, well, how's Comrade supposed to get his powers and be the wild uncontrollable thing that we have to deal with in the last episode. Well, let's just have his mom magically pass the powers onto him. It's just when she dies, it just automatically remotely activates his powers. And it's like, the hell are you guys doing it, it yeah it, it just smells like it's more leftovers from the or- inhuman origins because even kamala in the comics was actually an inhuman and then you know now she's a mutant because they've got the fox rights and it's like will you guys stop letting the corporate bs dictate your characters come on because like it, 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 oh god that's a mess because i was gonna say that that idea that she's uh her her family crossover from another dimension that is fan-fucking-tastic then you're like and you're also a mutant like wait 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 Guys, guys, guys! Wait. Are, you, are we are we saying like mutants can exist in this world? Are only from that dimension? Do you guys care? Are you just throwing stuff out there? Whatever. Yeah, and this I, phase, and I, this I, phase. Yeah, I, I read a I read an interview a couple of days ago where uh, they actually threw that mutation line at the last minute while they were filming the final mm-hmm. episode. So that wasn't even planned at the start. It was a bad so it, idea. Yeah, it's like you guys get your arms around your property again. I mean, ever since the end of Endgame, it's just like you're just spaghetti chucking and just seeing what sticks. Knock it off. <laughs> I, I do hear Kevin Spikey is not as um, focused or on, has, like, I think, because like, I think uh, a chunk of his focus has been lately on trying to make a good Star Wars movie. 
Maybe. I mean, the guy's doing a billion things. Uh, so it, it does feel that way. Because, like, uh, I, I'd say the show's, uh, you know, a, a high seven to a low eight. I thought most of it was, like, really enjoyable, uh, very charming. Yeah, but, agree. like, yeah. this th- th- that thing just bugged the fuck out of me. And it was, like, such an easy <laughs> slam dunk. Just, just, just have Bartrock the Leaper come and do racist shit in Jersey City. <laughs> like, like, like just, just, like, pull something from your grab bag, and I think it would have worked just fine. But, like, uh, I I just felt like it was trying to have its cake and eat it too, and uh, just kind of like uh, had everything like uh, crumble a little bit to an annoying degree. And I hated the mutant thing. It just makes a- a- all the backstory, which was kind of cool. It was funny. Keith was kind of interesting. He's like, "Oh, that's so cool and interesting." And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> let me ruin it for you. Let me ruin it for you really quickly. All right. Oh, oh, oh dude. Yeah, that. This can stop. This can stop. Like, and, and also, and also, she's and, and also she's. Uh, Herald of, of of Galactus, and and then she's also please, please. Yeah, that was a nice bounce back after Moon Knight because Moon Knight landed with a thud, and it's like, okay, I'm this close to just quitting on the MCU shows. But then, yeah, Miss Marvel, it, it was not written or con- for my generation, I guess you could say, and, and I kind of understood how they went about with the narrative. But like Isaac pointed out, it's a it's a great slice of life show, and I enjoyed it for that. Yeah. yeah it- it accomplished exactly what it needed to do. It made the family fun and relatable. It made me more interested in Pakistani culture than I would have been otherwise. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it hits those things and it's got those like kind of cute superhero moments in the social media age. I just wish it had like, just, just stick to the fucking basics. You're, you're doing everything else pretty well. Uh, yeah, uh, like Marvel and like, yeah, Mar- they, they, they have now hit the mill so hard that, I can't give them my time every time, especially like, yeah, too many failures in a row, like with like uh Falcon winter soldier, uh, Wanda. And now they're like, now watch Ms. Marvel. I'm like, Hey, I don't even like that fantasy. What are you guys doing? Like, don't worry about it. Just watch it. Like, you know what? I'm out. I'm not gonna, if you guys, if I hear it's really great, I'll, I'll tune in, but I'm going to watch my Sukaban Deka show from Japan where this girl's a secret agent and she's a high schooler. And then she fights all these other, bully high school Japanese chicks who, who throw needles at people. Yeah, I'm trying to explore fun creativity. I, I don't like that Star Wars and MCU seem to feel like they always have a spot, no matter what they do. Alright, so uh, I know we did, that's a great segue to Thor Love and Thunder, so let me just get my two really positive things I'm geeking out on, and then we can get to that. Uh, I'll be quick, uh, or I'll try to be quick. Although, as much as I love these discussions. Um, so, um, one piece i'm super excited um oda is about to debate the final arc he had this great announcement where he says I- i've always wanted when i was young to draw the most hype finale now i'm gonna start it so uh, next week uh chapter 10 uh, 54 comes out and that is the b- official beginning of the final saga <laughs> and I couldn't be more excited. And um, right now I'm looking at this thing called Road to Laugh Tale. And basically there are all these like sketches and storyboards that he cut out from Wano, which I, I think are super fun to look at because it's like looking at like, uh, I'd say arguably the greatest uh, comic creator living today. Uh, and I am so uh, pleased to uh, be able to be here uh, towards the finale and see Oda, you know, literally rip the title from Batman and Superman as the greatest selling comic as he marches his way towards like 600 million things sold. Go man, go like, I, I don't exaggerate when I say that I really do think it's maybe the greatest story I've ever seen. Maybe greatest story ever told. I think that he should be remembered as much as like Homer himself. Uh, 
themselves because my have several people anyway uh yeah it's it's the, to me it's like the iliad of our era is that is how good i see it it is been going Damn. strong and i hope that like oda uh, has the strength because it's sad um there's a lot of tension you know the manga community lost kentaro mira the creator of berserk uh last year that was a huge blow berserk is continuing but uh i mean it hasn't oh. been bad but i i have uh, like anxiety about it I didn't know Berserk was continuing and yeah. like, in good hands. Like, um, do, well, do so they have he, the notes of what's supposed, supposed to happen? Here's the deal. Um, it's being done by his studio of assistants that he's been training, Studio Gaga, um, that he's been training good. to continue to Berserk or, or do art on his par. Uh, and, and also, like, his best friend, who's also a Mangeka, who he apparently helped him with, like, pivotal things like the Eclipse and um, other moments. He, he supposedly told him his outline for how it was going to end, and he's the guy who's kind of, like, writing it. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm glad that we'll get to see an end. And the, there have been three chapters since his uh, death uh, that have been released. And, you know, they look on par uh, with what he does, although I have a few uh, issues that, like, um, have me a little worried. But, uh, you know, uh, but, like, those things are like a wake-up call. That and Togashi with Hunter Hunter. Um are kind of like an indication that like uh for Oda that he has his own mortality and I think he knows it, like uh if I do one thing I'm finishing up one piece I've seen my contemporaries like Masashi Kishimoto like manga destroyed him to the point where he can't even draw anymore Oh what uh, did he do? Uh, he did Naruto. Oh oh my god. Yeah, uh but like after he did Naruto he he could not draw. He did another series called Samurai 8 and uh he his assistant drew did all the artwork for that. Well, um uh- Boruto. Uh, that's done by another one of his assistants, and I think he, he like he, he contributes notes to it. Sometimes he like gives supervising direction, but no, he doesn't draw it. Uh, it you you can tell the artwork's much shittier than he was in his prime. Uh, it, it's weird. Um, and like you have these examples of like these long running guys, and, and you know what I love about manga, I think it is the most brutal creative profession. Yes. And if you go through it, you become a god. You become one of the greatest storytellers because you were just like. Again, every week, again and again, you got to keep them engaged. You got to keep good story arcs. You got to build upon it. You have to have something that's good in the short term, but also good in the long term. And I just think that, like, the people who can make it through that are some of the best of the best. And which brings me to my final thing I'm geeking out on Chainsaw Man! <laughs> Tatsuki Fujimoto, the GOAT. The, the 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 goddamn Quentin Tarantino of manga world, the greatest one of the greatest manga arri- to arrive on the scene, still under thirty years old, an absolute god of creation. Not only did he lo- relaunch his, uh, you know, start uh, Chainsaw Man uh, back up again, and he had a great, brilliant pilot chapter, didn't miss a step. Uh, it, it hit uh, it, like it, I was just loved to see like the chapter get like three million views and people memeing on it, people making fan art of the characters. Like literally minutes after they come up with a great gag, a uh, brilliant gag, just like Fujimoto at his game. And not only did he do that, he also released like an 18 page one shot where he had like someone else do the art and he let this like newcomer showcase themselves. What a absolute mad lad. What a <laughs> pimp master. Like, I, I don't know what's more pimp. The fact that like he just keeps on making these brilliant one shots just for the love of the art or the fact that he's propping people up because you know what? I just have this one funny joke that I I want to tell in 18 pages and the fact that he was able to like tell that joke in 18 pages just goes to show that he is a uh, goddamn brilliant and i'm so excited that chainsaw man is back i am so excited that this this 
fucking manga, which doesn't even have an anime yet, uh, is like taking over the internet to the point where he he got like a deal with like a fashion brand to like produce fucking jewelry uh, for for Chainsaw Man, which is insane. That like he has so much influence and so much sway, and uh, you guys got no, you don't know what you're wait- waiting for. Just when that anime hits this uh, fall, oh boy, oh boy, it's gonna destroy. It's gonna just be like this. Uh, it'll quickly become the thing that people hate because it becomes so ubiquitous and overexposed. But you know what? The guy deserves it. He's a brilliant artist. I wish I could like walk into his studio and talk to him. I wish I could give him uh, ten million dollars to make a movie and see what he does. I just think he. He's like one of the best guys working today, and I, I am so uh, glad that I got to catch him towards the start of his run and see him go from like making something I absolutely despise to something I absolutely love that is just blown in estimation uh, over time. <laughs> that, was, um, that was a that was a this that was a great rant. Indeed, nice <laughs> yeah, and that was, uh, that was Chainsaw Man is going to be taken care of by. Madhouse Studios, who did uh, One Punch uh, not, Man and not Get not them. Madhouse uh, Mappa, but uh, Madhouse. They're basically the uh, Ma- Mappa. Both. Well, no, nah, I don't think Madhouse exists anymore. But I know Mappa's the one who's handling uh, the Chainsaw Man adaptation, which is still really good because Mappa's been on fire lately. They did the really great Jujutsu Kaisen uh, adaptation. They also did the uh, last season of Attack on Titan. Uh, they've been uh, doing really great stuff. Um, almost as good as the uh, you know the, I, the the true king, the UFO table, the Demon Slayer. But I, I'd say Mappa is a, a really good second place. And if it's the, the anime is, is as good as what they were able to do in Jujutsu Kaisen, I think it'll destroy everything. Co-production between Mappa and Madhouse, but oh, you feel Madhouse might not be around anymore. I, I need to research it. I thought that they didn't exist anymore and that like, cause I remember there's this really tiny little guy who just loves making anime and he uh-huh. was like the founder of Madhouse. And I, I saw him at Otakon cause he always comes to Otakon a couple of years ago. And I remember hearing he left, uh, Oda, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Madhouse and created Mappa. But, uh, I don't know. Maybe, right. maybe, I, I could be wrong. Maybe I need to research it, uh, soon. But, uh, I, I just hope, like, the fact that it's taken so long for the anime to come just knows that they, they know they need to do it right. They need to do it justice. Uh, and I, I cannot wait to see Chainsaw Man destroy the world. October 5th, it looks like. Ooh, does it have a release date? Because officially it, it doesn't have one yet, just like the fall. Year. Uh oh wait wait no no look I'm looking I'm reading it wrong uh it's something else anyway yeah so uh it, it might come out this fall uh yeah it's supposed to uh, unless it gets delayed but if it gets delayed you know what take your time I want a masterpiece yep yep I'm in no rush for great things all right um anything else man uh that's it all right then we're gonna be taking a break um and we'll see oh, you guys yeah uh, yep, quick. Two quick, two quick nuggets, if I may. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to follow up to Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. You guys noticed the three names that Vecna had in the... Yes. Toward, uh, or, uh, yeah, Vecna, Henry, one. Uh, I know. Did you notice, did you, did you notice that, that makes the acronym VH1? Oh my god. Is, it, is that <laughs> intentional? Vecna, Henry, one. Is it intentional, uh, do you think? Or this is what people I'm wondering. I'm wondering. But um, and also the other nugget. Um, did you guys know that the predator species actually has a name canonically? Yacha? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 right. Yep. Yeah, I never knew that till this week. Uh, I 
in the nineties, I was fucking huge into. I read like the novels, comic books, and just like, yeah, I love those guys. What, what's your uh, over under or on the new uh, Predator movie, uh, the Predator Prey, uh, Keith? What do you think of the trailer for that? Before we end, uh, my fingers are crossed. Uh, like so far, I like the director a lot, so he hasn't failed me before. Um, it's just so, like the way it looks, though. Like with how fiction has been lately, I'm just kind of like, uh, but once again. I liked his uh, Cloverfield movie and Dan Trachtenberg. I like him. So my fingers are crossed. So cautiously optimistic, hoping it's good. Yep. Um, It's not getting a theatrical release. So that was expectation. (laughs) That's a, that's Um, a a warning sign. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hoping it's like a small scale uh, surprise is what I'm, I'm kind of hoping for. And one last thing (laughs) on change of things. Um, do you guys know that Vecna is like an official like uh, thing in Dungeons and Dragons? Sure. Really? Yeah. I, like, so I, I, I did not know that. Uh, start Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it started like in the last few years. They've been kind of like going, "Hey, just so you know, we do have an official multiverse." Like, you guys want to check this out? But like, Vecna is like um, early like nineties. Like, uh, first he was an eye and a hand, and yep, there are that's... items you can find. Yeah, that's how I first really knew Vecna was like there the hand go. of Vecna. That was like the the big evil magical cursed item yep. everybody was always talking about. And then he eventually turned into like a character character. Uh, but yeah, he's an official real deal uh, heavy hitter in the D and D universe. Uh, interesting. I had no idea. All right, all right. Let's take a break. Uh, on the other side, we will uh, see Thor: Lo- Love and Thunder. And yeah, thanks for getting out with us. Uh, we'll see you. In a little bit. Play the trailer. Ryan, please. So. I know your pain. Your suffering. You've lost. Yet God protect them. Gods of the universe, I come here to raise an army. Today, we'll go down in history. How exciting. Today, we'll fight. I'm going to kill this guy. It's probably like a truth hole. This ends here and now. I'm counting on that. Marvel Studios Thor Love and Thunder in theaters July 8th. Rated PG-13. Tickets still available. All right, we're back on the other side. And uh, yeah, so Thor Love and Thunder, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I want to start off like doing like, you know, backgrounds with Thor with each of us. I'll go first, which is uh, with Thor. I've always thought him to be the shitty Superman, uh, at least in the 90s. I was like, why? And... Then I, um, you know, I, I, I check on him every so often and find out that he has like one of the greatest like potentials for stories of almost any superhero. Like he literally does science fiction, fantasy, ground. He, he can jump dimensions. So he's like this hero that naturally like fits into like every kind of story. And then he started to rise up quickly as one of my favorite of all time. I did read uh, Gore the God Butcher 
which was one of the most epic oh. things I've ever read. Yes, that, that, that's that's going to be an interesting thing. And what do you think? Uh, how, how this one handled gore? Did, did you read it? Uh, I've read through like uh, I've, I've seen a video like showcasing it, so I've seen like half of the story. But uh, yeah. yeah, that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good Jason Aaron Thor story. Yes, it was really good. Um, and then yeah, I'll end it there because like yeah, like the the just the epic scale is insane. So uh, Doc Falconer slash Matt. What's your take on uh what's your what's your background on Thor? Um well, you know, I seen the movies, didn't like the second one, like uh most people, I think. Um and yeah, other than that, like yeah, I never really read the comics or anything. I was always aware of the character. I'd play him occasionally in the uh Capcom fighting games. Um I always just I, for a while I was very confused. I thought that like wait a minute, is Thor turning into Beta Ray Bill, and did he get turned into a frog? And then <laughs> eventually, you know, found out, oh no, these are all just different versions of Thor, and all sorts of people can be worthy, etc. And so, yeah, I mean, for the most part, my I, I have always been aware of Thor. I've always kind of appreciated Thor, but I never really got super into it. All right. Um, MJ, what's your take on Thor? Um, here, here's one of the sad things about Thor. I'm Norwegian. So you'd think I would know most of the mythology behind my heritage. I don't. Mm-hmm. So the Thor that I know of is mostly from um, the comics and the movies and mainly steeped in the movies. I've seen all the movies, obviously, and actually rewatched all of them leading up to seeing this one in the week before. Um, and including finally reading the uh, gore origin story from the God and Thunder series, which I loved as well. And I was very interested to see how they're going to adapt it. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my background on Thor. Uh, Isaac, uh, I do not have like uh, that uh, much of a background. To me, he was always kind of like you know you'd see him pop up in some of the comics uh, or no the TV shows, which is kind of like how I became familiar with uh, the MC or the Marvel Universe pre MCU, which was like you know the Spider Man TV show, the Fantastic Four uh, TV show, uh, the X Men TV show. So, I, uh, you know, I was kind of like casually familiar with him as, as like a fixture that would show up. I know he's like uh, also famous for the uh, Avengers, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the world's greatest heroes, that cartoon they liked before they. Oh, my did God. Those- Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yeah. So that, good. That, the decent cartoon they did before they just said, fuck it, we're making MCU light cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the shitty version. Um. I've enjoyed most of the MCU interpretations. Uh, it's interesting. Everyone loves to shit on Thor, the dark world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's super great, but I think it's as good as like your other like mainline MCU movies. I still think the Loki stuff in it is really good. Uh, and it's got some fun stuff portals. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, took- you know, uh, sorry, just in a yeah. dig. Um, it's a. Uh, I I finally watched Thor: The Dark World for the first time like a few months ago, and it took me like a couple of weeks to finish it. Damn! Uh, I just like I kept trying. I was like, I want to watch you. I want to watch you movie, <laughs> but you're making it hard. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised people have, like such a averse reaction. Like I'd say it's more watchable than Ant Man Two. Uh, what should we call it? Uh, what's the other one I hate? Uh, I, <laughs> Ant-Man you didn't like the 2. second Ant Man. Wow. No, I, I did not. I thought it was very mediocre. I just uh, did, was not a huge fan of. Oh, the, was the first one, but uh, I'm having a hard like- time remembering it. Like not <laughs> and, and like not in the way like it sucked as much as like wait, like when you mean you said I was like oh wait, what, there's Nightman two. 
Hey, what happened? <laughs> what else? Does it kick out right after Infinity War and everybody is still in shock from the end of Infinity War? Okay. Fair. <laughs> It, it was like the palate cleanser. And then um, <laughs> what was the other Marvel movie? Uh, oh, yeah. Iron Man 2 and Ant-Man 2, I think, are like the, the bottom worst uh, MCU mm. movies. Um, um, I mean, that, bad. You've seen The Incredible <laughs> Hulk, right? <laughs> <laughs> I will go to bat for the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk. Uh, or are you talking wow. about the? Are you talking about the one with uh, yeah Eric Edward Banner? Norton one, right? Uh, you're talking about Edward Norton. Yes, the, the Incredible Hulk is still watchable. It also serves as a fun, soft reboot sequel to the Ang Lee Hulk, which I appreciated. Mm. Uh, you can consider that canon, or you don't have to if you don't want to. I thought that was very considerate. Uh, I thought Edward Norton was watchable, and it was the first Hulk movie that gave us superhero Hulk, who actually fights someone who's stronger than him. Uh, and, uh, you know, you get fun scenes with the, you know, uh, what you call it, Tim Roth's uh, transformation to Blonsky. Uh, is it the best Marvel movie? Yeah, no, but by I'd say it's a solid B minus. Yeah, I still consider right. that one the. Yeah, I always consider that one the bottom. And Dark World was right down there for me too until I rewatched it um, a month ago, and it was better than I expected. It the the weakness of that movie is still the villain, which you know plays into yeah. the larger villain problem that the MCU has always had, but it's been oh. especially magnified in Phase Four. But uh, yeah. and the final. In the final quarter of the movie, with the big fight in the courtyard there and the alignment of the worlds, like, why does it always have to be Earth? Can't this just be <laughs> some other freaking planet? Why does it? Why does the convergence have to be Earth every damn time? <laughs> I very much look. am getting tired of like Earth Buster stories that happen like several times a year. But other than that, I thought the Dark World was actually pretty good. I mean, as far as continuing Thor's story and you know, continuing Loki's story and the entire family of Asgard's story, I thought that was like a good continuation. It was just those other two points were the biggest weakness of that movie. And yeah, should it drag I, down the rest of the movie? No, I don't think it should, but they definitely are hard to get through. I, I agree. The, the, Thor definitely has like the most, one of the most forgettable, generic, uh, uninspired. But, uh, you know, you have the, the little scene where Asgard gets fucked up a little bit. That, that's always kind of fun to see, like, the place that was enshrined in glory get a little nose dirty a little bit. Um, but, uh, obviously, I think Thor came to his own in uh, Ragnarok, which is going to be yep. a very interesting discussion uh, comparing to this uh, one. Since obviously, this one shares a lot of Ragnarok's DNA. Uh, but I think we're going to have a lot of varied opinions about it. And I, I think Chris Hemsworth found his groove in um, uh, just finding the, co- you know, getting to play his comedic strengths. Yep. Uh, and I, I think uh, Funny Thor is, is probably the best Thor. I, I like seeing him being playful and bantering, and I think it's a great mix of his bravado. And, uh, you know, it seems to be the definitive version of the character. And uh, it's also fun that the character's been so tortured. and He's lost everything. And uh, probably the most uh, one of the most tormented uh, main characters out of the MCU outside of Captain America. True, true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Who's next up with uh background Thor? Where's it, everybody? I think that's everybody, yeah. All right then. Um Isaac, what's your take on Thor Love and Thunder? I don't know, it was like a B minus C plus. It was a movie I wanted to like. Uh I like Taito Watiti. It, it's funny though. Now now there's this like this perception where like people have the knives out for the guy. I'm not quite sure what he did to like 
piss so many people off. Maybe he's just so overexposed, but it seems like uh, people just want to like tear him apart. So we're seeing him like uh, the stones are starting to be flung by, uh, you know, the Twitterati. Um, But uh, let's see. I I, I thought the film felt like two very different things uh, jammed together that didn't quite work entirely. Mm. Like, I I feel like Gore deserved his own movie and it deserved a more serious uh, movie. I think Christian Bale did a really good job. But like, I I don't know why I I, want to watch the God Butcher kidnap children. (laughs) I don't know why that was like the driving thread. Um, I think the Natalie Portman um, relationship stuff is probably handled here better than the comic. And I also appreciate spoilers that they killed her off and they had the balls to do that. Yeah, I was really surprised. Um, or yeah. Kind of. Uh, I thought they were going to like have her replace Thor uh, <laughs> entirely um, as has been kind of the trend with the phase four, yep. but it, it just felt like kind of like a mix where like all of the positives in Ragnarok didn't work here. Like a lot of the humor didn't work. Uh, I think not having Loki was a huge detriment. Um, cause I, I think one of the really p- big pillars of Ragnarok and why it worked so well was how many other Marvel characters he had to bounce off of. It, it's fun seeing him interact with the Hulk and, and actually like a smart version of the Hulk who's like can articulate. It, it's fun seeing him interact with Loki. And I don't think Valkyrie or, uh, Natalie Portman Thor were able to like hold up, uh, to that level, uh, that we'd come used to, uh, in Ragnarok. And I also think that like Taita Watiti's, uh, humor um worked very well in ragnarok but here it comes like too many things miss than hit and Mm -hmm. uh i I think korg really needed to be a very minor supporting character and i think he overstays his welcome well when you're voiced by the director of the movie you can Mm -hmm. get all the screen time you want (laughs) he just can't stop himself and he won't stop himself um matt uh matt dot falconer uh, what'd you think of Thor love and thunder? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> overall, um, you know, it's sort of funny, like leaving, leaving the theater, my initial thought was extremely positive. I mm-hmm. just, the whole ride, I just enjoyed the hell out of it. And there's a number of reasons why I did, you know, like a lot of people are talking about the humor used in it. And there were definitely times where it felt a little, a little overdone where sort of like, Oh, Hey, Ragnarok was funny. And people liked that. So let's make this, let's throw even more humor into this one. Um, but at the same time, I thought like near the end and everything, they got a little bit more serious. Like we were talking about the, uh, the death of Natalie Portman. Like uh, that was, I think that was a great idea <laughs> to actually go through with it. Um, but overall, you know, I, I really did. I had a lot of fun with it. It just felt fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's not necessarily anything wrong with that that this was just kind of a, a fun movie. Uh, yeah, there were ac- awkward parts, and there are parts I like more than others. When we go over our lists, I'll kind of go through that stuff. But uh, but overall, I left with a positive feeling. Now, will I feel that way in a couple of weeks? Maybe not. A lot of times that's what happens, is I'll watch a movie, and then a couple of weeks later, I think something completely different about it. Um, but in general, you know, Phase 4 has been really uneven, and I think there's a lot of experimentation going on, kind of, uh, MJ, I think you were talking about, you know, kind of spaghetti, <laughs> just kind of throwing things around. And um, and I'm kind of wondering, this is, I, I feel like they're sort of afraid that the MCU is getting stale because it is. 
getting stale and they keep kind of doing the same thing over and over again. So for this one, I felt like they did things a little bit differently and I liked that. I, uh, yeah. So overall I had fun with it. Sorry. That was real rambly, but I, I hope I got my point across. Apology not accepted. Uh, I like the rambly. So right. <laughs> you're good, man. Uh, MJ, what'd you feel? Um, I guess my feeling on it hasn't changed too much since we saw it last week, but um, it was about two hours of, or an hour and a half of crazy, mm-hmm. amped up to 11, thrown in a blender, and then thrown in a bucket that was kicked over repeatedly by those screaming goats that we got to listen to multiple right. times throughout the film. <laughs> um, but then in the final quarter, it's like all of a sudden, oh, crap, we need to pull this back in so people give a damn. And they finally started pulling back in on all those emotional undercurrents that they'd been building up the entire movie. And then finally came, bring up back, brought it back in. And somehow they managed to land it decently. Mm-hmm. I mean, the death of uh, Jane Foster. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of predictable from the way they were building up through the entire movie. I mean, Milner was draining her life force every time she was wielding it. And she already had stage four cancer. And it's like, well, not really too many ways this character can survive this. Plus, you know, she's mortal and, you know, Thor's already 1500 years old. And if you read the comics, you know, he lives to be way, way older than that. Mm. And I was actually kind of wondering if they were going to include the uh, three Thors part of the <laughs> that story arc from the comics. Well, like, well, it is the multiverse and time travel's already been done in Endgame. So what the hell? Let's really go crazy. But thankfully, they cut that out because it would have made the movie three hours long. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean it's a middle of the pack MCU movie for me. Um, as much as I like take a, he almost seemed to take the license that he got from Ragnarok being so, so successful to really amp up the crazy to 11. And it's like, okay, well you, you kind of earned that, but he, a little restraint probably would have helped too. Yes. And a little restraint. And, and we've gone a long way on this one, I think. And I, I agree with Isaac that missing, not having Loki there as Thor's counterpoint to actually have some of the more interesting conversations, because rewatching the first three movies as well as uh, Infinity War and Endgame leading into it, having that whole di- that relationship with Loki was a good center for the first three movies. And then, you know, obviously he lost Loki at the beginning of Infinity War, and he just had become emotionally rock bottom by the time he got the Infinity War, because, you know, he didn't have Milner, he didn't have any of his family. Half of the remaining Asgardians have been wiped out by Thanos. And he got left in space. Like, okay, what do we do now? Oh, let's get Stormbreaker. Hey, let's go back and try to get some revenge on Thanos for really helping me hit rock bottom. And, oh, no, no, we can't give him that. He didn't aim for the head. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, rewatching it all in the span of a week, it built up my expectations like, okay, I really want to see what they're going to do to continue Thor's arc from all those movies and coming out of Endgame because he's basically going off to have his emotional retreat for the Guardians of the Galaxy for however long. And it's just that the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. <laughs> hey, we're going to turn the Guardians. Yeah, we're going to turn the Guardians of the Galaxy from the Firefly crew into the A team. Just kind of mercenaries for good, going around the galaxy. Like, okay, this this can work, and I'd be interested to see how that's going to lead into uh, James Gunn's Volume Three when it comes out next year. They established yeah, that but, they were that thing that that they were that kind of a team in uh, Volume Two. 
Well, the interesting yeah. thing. Oh, sorry. Um, go ahead, uh, MJ. Your turn to reply. Sorry, I didn't hear that. What was that? Uh, it sounded like you're about to reply. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that wasn't me. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so bad. I always feel bad when I'm like, what are you inspires a thought that I want to have? And then I like, oh, I want to say it. Uh, but then I try not to trample over you. Um, but um, the Guardians of the Galaxy were very interesting just because um, I feel like we got a glimpse into like what the future Star Lord will look like. And it was probably the most mature version of the character we've ever seen, even though we only see it for five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of disappointed we didn't get to see a little bit more. I mean, we all sort of knew this was basically going to be what Doctor Strange was in, um, you know, Thor Ragnarok. Just like a fun little five minute cameo wasn't going to be a big uh, thing. But I, I kind of wanted to see uh, Taita use you do a little bit more with him. Uh, but yeah. I did find the one little glimpse we got of Star Lord very interesting and in, uh, you know possible clue of what we'll see uh, James Gunn do uh, in the, the the third and final volume. Um, yeah, that's my, true. Yeah, I did like. Yeah, I did like how they portrayed Star Lord. That the yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they launch off of that. But then Gore, I I did, I did like the compressed origin that they had for Gore at the beginning. There, like, okay, that works. I mean, I liked how it, it didn't seem as deep seated though as they built it up in the comics because yeah. in in the movie he just lost his daughter as well as you know the rest of his people, but. You know, in the comic, he lost his mom, he lost his wife, and then he lost all his kids slowly to hunger and exposure. And still he was praying and praying and praying to the gods to save him and his people. And then his people basically tossed him out and cast him away for being a heathen, for finally swearing off the gods. And then, you know, he's off dying in the middle of the desert and all of a sudden the gods fall right into his lap and have at least some of that depth that they had from the comics and they just kind of blew right through that for the, for the movie. I don't think that works as a movie script because they want to get to their final point of resolution versus if you see like the full breadth of it, you kind of a question even more why you do just that one wish. Uh, because like, Oh, so like uh, my take on the movie, like uh, the, the movies I, I like, so First Thor, that was all right. Second one, we actually reviewed on HJU Radio with uh, Stephen Ford, and that was not good. Third one, uh, that was Ragnarok, which I loved, but then was offended by when I listened to the director commentary, where I couldn't tell how much he cared. And that made me think that that's what we were going to be getting in this next one, where no one would ever tell him no. And Orson Welles says that um, the greatest enemy to creativity is the absence of limitations so wait think, what about what about yeah. the, the what did you learn in the director's commentary i never heard oh. i've never heard it so can you give me like a quick a brief yes. um you know synopsis or uh reader's digest yeah so like um i was over the moon in love with uh ragnarok i couldn't wait to listen to the commentary because that's like what i do with like something that just blows me away and Usually, like to me, it's like a metaphoric makeout session with the director as they tell you what they love, why it was created, where where this shot came from, or the, the trouble of doing this shot. And with Watiti, dude, he all he did was just just started doing so many jokes that you couldn't tell if he was being serious or not. Uh, it just it was just like he was being bothered to talk about the movie, 
which really turned me off. Like I was not <laughs> happy with that. Like there's like uh, the Surtur thing where like you know you got the CGI uh, devil guy, and mm-hmm. so started, uh, Taiki starts going, "That's actually me right there," you know. And they uh, you know they they cover me with soot and like uh, gasoline. They they actually lit me on fire. I'm like, dude, okay. Like, you don't want to do this. <laughs> well, now so, you have me wondering what this director's commentary for Jojo Rabbit's like. Yeesh. I wonder. Uh, so, like, the thing that made me think, uh, what I thought was that that indication of, like, how making a Marvel movie isn't like making a real movie. How much, like, you don't get to really choose to, like, present yourself and you're working for a company. And that's why he was not giving his passion toward it. Although I did see, like, an interview with him later. And then he, he actually showed all the passion that I was hoping I was going to get in the director commentary where he started talking about like his childhood and flash Gordon and all that. So, um, what I'm well, saying I mean, here, yeah, go ahead, please. You never know when someone's just having a bad day. Like he yeah. might've been hung over or something. Um, I mean, I, I, I saw a, um, what we do in the shadows panel, mm-hmm. uh, at last year's comic con and Matt Barry just looked like he wanted to be absolutely anywhere, gotcha. but, but that <laughs> panel, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to think, like, well, pff, Matt Berry, what a piece of shit. Now I hate <laughs> everything he does, you know? It's like, no, mm-hmm. I just kind of assumed he was having a bad day. So you, you never know with stuff like that. And especially considering that then you heard him being enthusiastic yes. in another part. So, yeah, yeah, that's completely, like, I, I didn't even sit all the way through it. Because, like, maybe after the first few minutes he comes, to, I, I couldn't sit through it. Like, that was, like, the heart, that broke my heart. Because, like, well, I, I love, like, director commentary is, like, one of my favorite things to do with a movie. And especially like kind of this kind of movie, so I was like, "Ah, oh, here we go!" And then like couldn't sit through it. So, mm-hmm. um, to me, all that jokery that he was doing in the commentary seemed to get to this movie, which to me, I'll actually say I did love. Not I wouldn't say loved it. I liked it a lot. I liked Thor: Love and Thunder quite a bit. I will give it a very admirable solid B to B plus maybe. Uh, but the the problem with the him not having uh, limitations like. Because if you balance out his zany wackiness with maybe having some real stakes and world building, then you could like have like something that's you know long lasting, top tier, makes you think about the world. But here, like, goddamn man, like everything was a joke, which kind of takes away from the movie. So yeah, let's just rapid fire from here. Um. So yeah, one of the first things, like very beginning of the movie, that whole thing with like that goofy ass golden god um, that Christian Bale runs into. MJ, earlier you had brought up Terry Gilliam, and the beginning of this really reminded me. Something about it really reminded me of Terry Gilliam. Yep. Uh, I think I think part of it was like that that god and the way they had like that straight shot where he's like talking right at the camera and there's all that shininess around him and everything. It just, just, yeah, just immediately it's what made me uh, think of that. And it was just like, I don't know, to me it was like, I like Terry Gilliam well enough, but every once in a while I find his style to be Uh, (laughs) off-putting. So, like, that's the kind of, like, right off the bat, that's, uh, I got that weird impression. All right. Uh, Anybody else else notice how the Necrosword kind of looked like uh, Andersil from Lord of the Rings? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, like, was it the, the hilt? Uh, yeah, there's like there's like a two handed grip there, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. it does yeah, a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I guess I was paying extra close attention to that after the Conan blade showing up in Stranger Things. I was like, okay, what other random prop swords are they going to throw in these future productions? But um, um yeah, a, a problem. I, 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 hmm? Sorry, go ahead. 
I was gonna say a problem I had with the movie is that my lit my uh my these are shortest notes I've ever taken. Uh I I have a feeling that what I what a lot of people are experiencing with MC movie MCU movies is what Scorsese said about them not being movies but amusement park rides. Because while I was watching it, I really did have a lot of fun. But since everything is just fucking so goofy, well, what else am I thinking about after that? Like, um, I'll say that. Uh, let's see. I, I like the costumes well enough. Uh, I like Natalie Portman well enough. But I, I, I also was pretty sure. I didn't think they'd kill her off, but I could tell that they want Natalie Portman when. Um, She's a real actress, so I can tell that she would not want to, yeah, lock me in with MCU for the next eight years, so I can't do anything else with the rest of my life. Uh, so I was pretty sure they'd take her back off the board, but I guess they can still call on her. I don't know. Yeah, like the movie for myself is just like, ah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, who knows? Maybe maybe Taika will put her in his Star Wars movie. Did you hear that he, rumor? He, yeah, yeah. Said she was in him before. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't know when he asked her. Phenomenal. <laughs> Once again, though, Taika, we can't tell if he's joking or not. Oh, no. I, I don't think. I think he just straight up didn't know. <laughs> I, I I think it's. I, unfortunately, like, that's why I thought for days. But then, like, I, you know, seen, you've seen Taika's humor, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, would, yeah. He would do this. Well, so I can't oh, tell. Wow. He, he, would, mm. he used to go, oh, would you like to be in a Star Wars movie? Snicker, snicker. And then, like, now he's got, like, a thousand headlines. But, well, yeah. I, right. Here, Here's an interesting question I'm kind of to bring to the panel. So it's, it's interesting. You guys seem to be more positive. I'm a little bit more negative. What did you guys think of uh, Zeus? Aha! Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. That- uh, <laughs> damn you, Russell Crowe. Whatever you want, what was Russell. That? Do whatever you want, Russell. We're glad to have well, you here. Hold on. Have you heard yeah. that he, uh, Taika, had him do all of his lines twice? No. Yeah. yeah. One, Brit- once with British. an English accent, or British, yeah, and once with the Greek accent. <laughs> Is that okay. what that was supposed to be? Yeah, that was a Greek accent. And let me tell you something. Oh. I live in Astoria, um, and Astoria has the second most Greek people in the world, apparently, including my landlord. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but he came on and started talking, and I was like, oh, <laughs> Greek. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> nope, he got uh, that's it. That's good to know. I mean, he got I, it. I, I mean, because uh, that was another thing coming off of uh, watching Baz Luhrmann's Elvis because they had Tom Hanks as uh, Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis's manager, and he had this southern fried Dutch accent that he used throughout the entire movie. So I guess I've just been extra sensitive to wanky <laughs> accent impersonations, and I was listening to Crow go through his lines I'm like, Dude, are you actually trying to do an accent or a parody? Because this is sounding more like a parody than just, ugh. But no, it's good to know that that's actually rooted somewhere closer to reality. That yeah, makes me feel well, a little better about it. Yeah, I mean, look, like, like the, his characterization was obviously extremely over the top. You know, um, watching it, I was actually thinking uh-huh. about that. It was like, it almost struck me as like stage acting. Um, the way he was going at it. Um, and yeah, I would think to some degree, I'm sure if a, if an uh, actual Greek person saw it, they would be like, what is happening here? But, uh, I knew exactly what he was doing, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, overall, 
uh, his his performance as Zeus. Um, yeah, it was over the top, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was yep. fun. It was um, fun. Amuse- like I, I think, uh, would you say it was amusement park fun versus looking back and saying, all right, that was Thor in this movie, and I will recognize him as Thor. Well, all right. If you're not gonna, Thor, if, Zeus. Zeus? Oh, no. That was, I mean, if we're, if we're going to put it like that, 1,000%. Yeah, roller coaster time, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was uh, that was amusement park fun. Yeah, uh, my, my take on Zeus... Uh, Man, like it's the the double edged sword of oh man, thank you guys for doing this. I I do like the idea that we're gonna like go up and visit a world of gods. Like this is now another section of the MCU that exists that you can think about, maybe get adventures from, and that like you know Zeus and Thor talking to each other. That's kind of cool, even though they went full on joke with it. It's kind of cool to see them go back and forth, and I do like the idea of like. Zeus being like the major antagonist of Thor. I would like to see that fight actually. Uh, you, you know, I'm going to throw out something out here. You know, I think the movie would have been much better if they saved G- Gore, the God butcher for like his own thing. Uh, and then just had Zeus be the major antagonist for this movie. Um, hmm. I think he might be a more of a better, I think Zeus is a better third movie. Cause also um, I feel like they abandoned the three movie structure after Dark World and restarted with Ragnarok so mm. that we get our Empire Strikes Back middle darkness and then big, big, big bad for a third. That's very, very generous for what feels like has no st- form and structure. Mm. And, and just basically they threw money at Taita because the Thor mm. Ragnarok did so well. <laughs> That's the general sense I have of this movie that, that like Taita didn't necessarily want to do it, but they just threw a lot of money at him and it's like because they wanted to recapture that Thor Ragnarok magic. Because like uh, the MCU is trying to do two things right now: introduce like uh, the new, more diverse uh, characters. Uh, you know, they had that all that all new, all different Marvel back in 2015, and it feels like that was like a um, just a bed to try out uh, new characters or workshop new characters to eventually come into the MCU, and now they are. But like Thor feels like the old. You know, he's the old, Chris Hemsworth was the only one. Who still wants to play him? Uh, uh, Captain America, Chris Evans wants out. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. wants out. So if you could at least uh, keep one of the main th- original three core pillars of the MCU in, you know, sure, why, we'll keep them in as long as you want. Mm. You know, that's that's interesting. Um, in that, I, that, I, that almost feels like something we would be saying about like a DC movie where they're just sort of flailing around and just trying to be like, okay, just follow the money. You know, like what the people like that, like, oh, let's just do more of that. As opposed to like more earlier on in the MCU where it was very clear they had a plan. At least it seemed that way. Um, I felt that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I, I was saying that like the earlier movies, I was saying in our uh, Multiverse of Madness review that each movie, if something happened, it mattered. So like, at the end of like, you know, like, yo, Iron Man, you see uh, Nick Fury show up and you're like, oh, shit, it matters. This is gonna, this is the next step that we can move on uh, to the next one versus Multiverse of Madness. You see Xavier show up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a joke. Kill him right in front of your face. Lala copter. You're like, OK, right. dude. And then like, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, you, then like, uh, was it uh, uh, here? Like we, we had some stuff happen, but like, you know, uh, are we carrying anything from here? Like, do we feel like a next step has actually f- happened? 
And that's what yeah. it felt like. I mean, the, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy part, that was, felt like that was the only thing that had any springboard to anything after it. I mean, when I mean towards the end of the movie, when Gore makes his wish and brings back his daughter and yeah, happy, feel good, and Thor has his reason to live now that he's been looking for for you know six movies now. It's like <laughs> it, it feels more like a happy ending more than like a continue something to springboard off of. And apparently, Taka and Hemsworth when they were sitting in the theater watching it for the first time, they saw the card at the end that Thor will return. They were both they both looked at each other and went, "What? Oh, <laughs> wait, 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 is that? Are real? you serious?" <laughs> apparently yeah it, that was a story that came out this past week apparently neither one of them had any idea that I was going to get tagged on to the end of the movie or <laughs> neither one of them knew about any continuing plans well, oh my god I, I just, highly it question it's into like, the larger way that they have been handling phase four at this point it's just like I said earlier it's spaghetti chucking they're just seeing what sticks and they're just going with it Wolf. I, I can't imagine they don't know that they're going to be doing a sequel well, well, like, well. It, the money it, they pull it in. It, if it's Taken was saying it, I would have taken that with a grain of salt. But if Hemsworth was saying, like, mm-hmm. seriously, dude. And plus, Yikes. I mean, it, plus, I mean, for Hemsworth, I mean, it would have been great if this was the last, kind of the last chapter for Thor, because that was his daughter that played Gore's daughter at the end of the movie. Oh, was Whoa. it? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, and yeah, also, his daughter, um, India Rose played uh, Gore's daughter. And it's like, yeah, was, they felt they felt very familiar with each other in that final those final scenes, and like. And I you know, right. looked at the production notes and like that was that's Hemsworth's daughter. God damn. It's very yeah. sweet. Although I, I kind of hated the ending. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like you you have to work really hard to sell me that this this random guy's daughter, he's going to give Stormbreaker and then they're going to go running, having father daughter adventures. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the ending just did not work for me. Oh, love is the name of the girl. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I would have been happier if it was like a baby bed of Ray bill. <laughs> oh yes. No, I was, I was thinking that's what the third movie is going to be called. Uh, the ballad of beta Ray bill. Oh, I have a, I have a, I, I, well, then again, like, you know, I don't know. I think so. Uh, although that they that we have Hercules coming and Zeus is a threat, so will they have room for Beta Ray Bill? We'll find out. I don't know. I don't think that they they they've planned. I they supposedly went on a retreat because I think Kevin Feige finally realized, oh fuck, um, we we gotta we gotta shit on this pop with Kang the Conqueror, or else nothing matters, or we're doing Secret Wars. We we, um. we gotta figure out something. Um, a thing I will say that. I kind of sort of like about this uh, stage of the uh, phase of the MCU is that um, so going back to like, like, like 90 sci-fi TV shows and getting back into that, I enjoyed that. Not everything was a home run and sometimes you'd have lulls. And like, I think that's what we're experiencing now. And then like, we kind of yep. need like that height of like uh end game was just Titanic so that we do need to bring, I think expectations and feelings down to, Hey, let's say that uh, although they they keep doing the plot of everything is a universe Earth Buster, um, <laughs> even though they do that, everything does feel like we're once again uh, going back down. We're just kind of lulling out, and then like from this like kind of like quote unquote easier going, even though like the Earth almost split in half with a giant Titan inside of it. Even though that's kind of low, um, we need that. So that in the next phase, we can start cherry picking from that. Like, I feel like we're in the place setting um, yeah. episode. I agree. I agree with that. One of my one of my notes is actually this all feels like a transition phase. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's and and I agree with you. This isn't necessarily a bad thing because otherwise, you know, what are we? We're just heightening and we're heightening, we're heightening, mm-hmm. and the stakes get higher and higher and higher. And uh, you can't just keep doing that. It's the same way you can't. It's difficult to just keep power scaling in anime. It just gets absurd. Uh, but um, I think that with the multiverse, I. If we want to talk about a way to kind of lower stakes, the multiverse mm-hmm. is actually a really great way to do it because we were talking about how like, oh, oh, here comes Professor Echo, <laughs> he's dead, you know, <laughs> and, and it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter because it's a multiverse now. So like, you know, like how many times has Loki died, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, well, multiverse, so they can just come back and back and back. So I think they're going to hopefully find a way for things to matter again, and that's when we can start heightening. But for the time being, it all kind of got lowered. Yeah. Well, w- one problem I would say, I think that's a good defense of phase four to be like, you know, this is a lowering of expectations, but I, I always feel that each one of these movies keeps on going big in-, in a way that it's like so catastrophic that it feels like it should be impacting other shit a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. Sh- Shang-Chi reveals that there's a, a giant Asian dimension filled with the Chinese dragons. Uh, the Eternals has a giant, uh, wax figurine of a celestial come out of the earth and uh it's just in the earth it's in the middle of the ocean uh thor love and thunder is going to destroy all the gods uh in moon Knight, there's a scene where they alter the stars and the the egyptian gods are real and it it feels like all these things are kind of like so big that they should be stepping on the foot of other things Mm -hmm. um so like well, I, and that, in, in defense of that, that's kind of the way it is in the comics too. I mean, true. each of those various comics have their own little bubbles that are supposedly existing on the same earth and all these huge things that should be spilling over and everything else. And it's like, not always. I'll be honest. And, that's why I stopped reading those comics. Like <laughs> I'm not, yeah. Like, so I'm not, like, uh, I got into Marvel like huge in the nineties. Like I was and, like, Oh, lots of comic books. I was, I had a great time, but then like, um, too many, every comic book, uh, with a universe disaster. I was like, guys, please stop doing this. Like, like one of my things I like to think about is if that's even possible, like that you can have like an artifact on Mars this is a comic book from Captain America. You can have an artifact on Mars left unattended. It can wipe out the entire universe. The, the, the entire universe has been wiped out long ago by at least one planet somewhere out there where there's no heroes nearby for to stop the countdown. Like, Stop saying that you can destroy the universe every week. And the movies, like, I think it's, it's hard to come down from. Like, I believe, like, if they ever did try to do a non-universe buster, all of a sudden people are like, oh, why are you wasting my time? Like, this is just like a, a neighborhood thing? Oh, okay, that, it's not that big a deal. So I well, feel like they have. They feel like they have to keep doing this. That is fair, but um, I, I I just feel like they should be if they they are sit table setting. They should be telling smaller stories. Mm-hmm. Like one of the reasons why I kind of like the Hawkeye uh, TV show was it the greatest thing? No, but I think it was like decidedly small scale and it never went above that small scale, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of cute and charming. And I wish they did more of uh, versus right. like uh, the movies that keep on trying to do. Um, bigger things that feel very big but self-contained uh, but not interconnected yeah, I, I i'll, I'll, I'll say okay these the the smaller scale of uh, love and thunder kind of uh mm. i did appreciate, quasi. yeah quasi yeah, like 
Yeah, like their grand adventure was not to save the complete extinction of everyone on Earth for once. Just like genocide across the universe of gods. That's still pretty big. But for once, like the universe got to the the Earth got to wake up one morning without finding out that the next day they might be gone. Yeah. I mean, look, really, if we're talking about stakes and kind of going back to what you were saying, Isaac, for Hawkeye, which I I really enjoyed, too. Um, all they need to do is make you give a crap about the characters and their mm-hmm. relationships. Like, that's it. That's what that's what creates Girl. stakes. And if they do it well, then it shouldn't, in theory, matter whether it's the, you know, the whole universe or whatever mm-hmm. that's going down. I am glad that uh, Thor found the guy's hammer back. Uh I am not a fan of Stormbreaker. That design is a uh, raggedy look. So like ratchet. Yes. I love the, um, like hey, group brother is on for that. Come exactly, on. Now. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, like I can true. see like on <laughs> set while they're like, guys, I got an idea. It's the arm of Groot. And like people like probably all cheered. But then like every time I look at it, it's just like, <laughs> it's like a, a branch. It's just a branch. Well, well, here's an interesting question. I'm kind of curious to hear what the the council says. Did you guys like the the recurring joke and gag of like you know Thor wanting to cheat on his hammer and then Stormbreaker right. always coming back? Oh god, I yeah. did. I'm so sorry. I, I I fully get like when I was watching it's, it's dumb as shit, dumb as yeah. hell. Um, <laughs> but super, I smiled. Super dumb. But oh my god, that I'm sorry. That moment when Stormbreaker Stormbreaker slowly came on the screen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I, I, I yeah, I, I, I smiled with joy. Um <laughs> him pouring well beer on it is kinda like it's really cute. Uh I mean are, are his weapons actually sentient in the comics? I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I mean, not I, like that. I mean did they get together and have a little baby Stormbreakers? I mean what 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 the hell's going on here? Why <laughs> I do Why are you like feeling that, violated that Thor's attentions are no longer directly on you, Stormbreaker? Tell us what's on your mind. I do <laughs> like that. It seems like there's a different rule around Stormbreaker that you don't have to be worthy to lift it up. I love that. Yeah, that, that, I am right, right? Like, that, oh that, yeah, that yeah. Like well, you can just hand to anybody. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, uh, Odin didn't, you know, write a bunch of stuff on it saying mm-hmm. that you had to be worthy. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's assuming that it's something that you are capable of lifting, that it's not like magically, um, going to be impossible to lift. But yeah, the, the image of the six year old girl with the, uh, 10 ton hammer axe was silly. And I don't like, I, I was not a fan <laughs> of that image. Like, yeah, please rescale it to her, please. Just, I, I don't like it looking that, um, easily. Like I can tell you're CGIing that. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Stormbreaker, the design to me is is too big. Maybe if like if they wrap the the handle some, just clean that shit up for me, please. I like I'm a big fan of Stormbreaker too. They have the hammer itself from the comics because, um, yeah. Like Wait, I, I thought you said you, I thought you said you just didn't like Stormbreaker. You thought you said you didn't like it. This is designed a minute ago. Oh, oh uh, in the movie, in the comic, oh. I love it. Oh, and I want I want the I, I've been like I, I was really I'm also maybe that's also why I'm disappointed because like I've been dying to buy myself a toy. Of the comic Stormbreaker, and finally it's oh, they didn't make it at all. They just made this giant branch X. <laughs> of course, you know I'm still wondering how. I guess I missed it in the movie if they explained it. How? Uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting names. How the, God Butcher knew that Stormbreaker would help him get to good question. the other dimension. 
Yeah, because James found the plans. It's like, oh God, he's going to try to open a Bifrost to try to get to the other dimension so he can make his wish. I'm like, how did he find out? And I'm wondering if that's because of the deleted scene that they actually filmed with Peter Dinklage. Oh, oh, oh man. That would, I didn't know yeah. about that. Because yeah, uh, Lena Headey had a scene in there that was cut, and I don't know who she was supposed to play. Peter D- um, Christian Bale said he filmed the scene with uh, Peter Dinklage, and I'm wondering if Gore, ac- yeah, I remember his name, Gore, uh, went, actually went to the Star Forge. I'm forgetting the name suddenly, forgive me, um, and talked to him, and he found out the powers of Stormbreaker, and that's how he found out he could get to that other dimension to get to the, the entity. Hadn't even thought of that. And yeah, because oh. like Stormbreaker's a new thing that. You know, you know, he he couldn't have been like just listening to the legends of the world. Like Stormbreaker just got made, so hmm. that that I, would I do make like a lot more uh, sense. I do like that it's a uh, unique uh, bridge creation is a part of like you know some part of the plot. That's pretty cool. But I guess like the ending where I, I get the like you gotta tie up loose ends type storytelling so that. You do like um, the loss of the daughter, half wish back the daughter. We've now closed the loop. Here's the story. But now you're making me think about like, you know, fiction. Like, if, it, if, if we're doing this, like, you know, you have to accept loss. You don't get to wish for people to come back. Like, the lesson is to be able to go on without her. Otherwise, you're cheating everyone in the universe. Like, everyone else in the universe does not get to do this. And it's not fair that just for this one guy, you get to do it. So it's because uh, the TVA was gone. They couldn't come back and fix the timeline. Cause she was brought back. True. Know. <laughs> you know, at some point, at some point, the TV shows and the movies have to start actually intersecting. I mean, if we look at it, the only things that have really intersected between the shows and movies has been black widow and multiverse of madness. Cause I mean, obviously mm-hmm. black widow, they introduced, um, Elena and she showed up in Hawkeye and that was actually my, my favorite parts of Hawkeye was the parts of Elena. Then, you know, obviously WandaVision leading the multiverse of madness and but otherwise, where's the interconnection here? I mean, the end of Loki, you think that would have been all over the place, especially leading into multiverse of madness, especially since it both the show because the guy who wrote the screenplay for multiverse of madness was the showrunner for Loki. So oh. you'd think there would have been some interconnectivity there. Uh, it's the same I, guy uh, that that watering guy who was uh, in Rick and Morty too. I forget his first name, but um, yeah, it, it'd just be nice to see some more interconnectivity because I think again, uh, you're just watching it, wondering where all this is going. I think the why we're not seeing that is like they're also probably facing the question of okay, how much homework do we want people to have to do to see the next thing, and there and also at the same time. You know, we got to make the stakes high enough to make it seem like, you know, it mattered versus like, all right, I did find the green Skittles that I was looking for at the grocery market. They made the movie in the credits roll. And you're like, hey, you know, that was uh, two hours to find Skittles, not in, in, in the MCU. The only way you can justify two hours is like universe threat. Right. It's, right. it's interesting to see like where the MCU is now, because like objectively, like there are a lot of things I complain about um, in, in like all the TV shows and movies of, of phase four, but like, uh, you know, even at its worst, it's still not as bad as like, 
I don't know, uh, Wonder Woman 86 or 85 or like, yeah. or like Morbius or uh, other shitty superhero. <laughs> Morbius. Oh, Morbid time. Oh, no. It's Morbid time. I still haven't Again. seen Morbius. But Me neither. I'm it, curious. Morbius is a Catwoman level viewing experience. Ooh, I watched really? it. I was having so many flashbacks of Catwoman. It was just, it's a, it, a movie based on a comic with Oscar-winning actor in the lead with a director that is just doing something that no one on God's green earth can understand why. <laughs> I mean, the, wow. the guy who directed uh, Morbius wasn't as creative as the one from Catwoman because, seriously, that was the last room level direction for Catwoman. And I still give credit to Haley Berry for showing up at the Razzies with her Oscar to accept her Razzie for that movie. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I really want to see how well Morbius does at the Razzies this year. But um, yeah, Morbius. And, and then, then them throwing on that random tie into No Way Home at the end with those two teasers. I'm just like, why? <laughs> why? Sony, Sony wants their, their, their Spider-Verse oh. so badly. But uh, it, it's interesting because, like, on the one hand, you have the high of, you know, the Spider-Man No Way Home. But then you've got, like, a lot of people have knives out for the MCU uh, just because they feel like it's, like, kind of like treading water uh, and just kind of like maybe there's not as much care or maybe there's just a few little sloppy mistakes here and there that are just like, but it feels like um, it's become the Titanic where everyone's, like, waiting for the iceberg to hit and, the, you know, they, they all want to, everyone wants to cheer from a cultural standpoint, even if they're still making a lot of money. Yeah, that's the the problem. Um, they're still making a lot of money. So, like, there's just, so I was thinking, like, maybe what would help is if they, like, the, the do the, do what people want Star Wars to do. Please stop, you know, making so many movies per year. Please. Like, slow down. Make it like another event so that we, we, we we can get excited again. But it is an event. Everyone still does get excited until they start seeing like a nosedive of money. They can't like the the main thing I've been seeing throughout the years of like um bad movies like uh the Star Wars sequels. Ha ha ha. Anyway, no no the Star Wars sequels like the biggest thing that I did notice about them was their um very tight, like almost yearly to slash two year cycle that they were bound to by contract, which across like all the movies I've been watching on that scale, like you do that in two years and you're fucked. Like George Lucas, I always kind of wonder like, did they do that on, on purpose? And um, for the MCU, like, yeah, they're, they're locked to a schedule of like money because we keep giving it to them. So will the next movie will, you know, not have the three year time that it takes to make, you know, masterpieces well here's the funny thing because the next mcu movie is the next black panther movie Mm -hmm. and you know that's i cannot wait to see that i wish ryan coogler the best luck but that movie is cursed that movie is so fucking cursed there's a lot of problems going on with it i don't i don't know because i mean if it, it seems to me if for any of the directors that they have in the mcu stable if you want to call it that um Googler seems like he'd be the one to be able to handle the adversity the best outside of the Russo brothers. Cause you know, the Russo brothers have easily crowned themselves the top of the food chain within that group of directors. And they're probably never going to do another one. So <laughs> um, mention it. Oh, go ahead, please. I, I have all the faith that Cooler can 
salvage whatever he's going to be able to salvage from this. But I'm just but, very curious to see how they're going to do it. And, so, and there's going to be droves of people that are going to be in the same spot as I am. Just wondering how the hell is he going to pull this off without your name actor? All right. So with I mean, is it is it, is it because ultimately going to be a tribute to Chadwick Boseman or is it going to be a continuation of the legacy he created with the first movie? Well, or is it going to get jump, obscured? I forget my idea here. Okay, Coogler, sure, sure. the the Black Panther. Um, so what I see happening there is um, you making me think that maybe this is how MCU has been able to do so many good movies. Um, and it's been like way more than three years than since like last Black Panther. And like I've been seeing like, yeah, like the three year cycle or more. If you get that much time, you can finally like lock in a great story, everything you need and figure it out. So for Ryan Coogler, he is in a good spot. He has had actually tons of time to make sure that he does a good Black Panther. And yeah, like he's got a a challenge ahead. The, the star's gone. Um, one of the stars the the sister character it's um, a vehement anti-vaxxer who the internet oof. has turned and now hates yep yeah yeah she she's been in a little bit of a trouble so yeah this is gonna be historic actually like what do you do when your next movie luke skywalker already died in real life what <laughs> what do you fucking do it's it's such well, an and, uh, and on top of that they're gonna be I mean, supposedly the big bad for the next movie is going to be Namor, the Samariner. Yeah. Finally going to bring him into it. And, you know, he's one of the OG Marvel characters, pre-Marvel, mm. even becoming a comic book. Let him and, you know, it's him and Iron Man. So, I didn't know they're pre-Marvel. Iron Man's pre-Marvel? Um, yep, before Marvel is formalized to, when he debuted in uh, Tales of Suspense 39. Uh, Namor oh, dates uh, Captain America was another pre-Marvel character. Um, Namor actually came out around the same time as Captain America, during uh, just before, just at the doorstep of World War II, or at least America's entry into World War II. And I just found it interesting. You know, the MCU is what fourteen years long now, and you're just now getting to one of the other OG characters. Wow. And well, supposedly, supposedly the big conflict is going to be Wakanda's long-standing rivalry with Atlantis and they're going to be introducing Atlantis and all this stuff. And it's like, I read, a, okay, I read some of that in the comic. It's so fucking good. Like I Chadwick Boseman. I, that is just a loss to the universe. Like I would mm-hmm. love to see Chadwick throw down against Namor. And now we don't get that. And yeah, I just, um, like they're, they're in, in, in the, like the black nerd universe, like, uh, there's regular talk of please, God, please recast him. Please. Like, we want a Tatala to look up to. And uh, like, like I said, it's like, it's like a D and D like uh game of people that love each other. And I guess I can definitely see like how th- no one in that cast wants to see the person they looked up to like replaced. It's interesting. Cause just- originally a lot of people were like thinking that like he, he, you can't cast him. He's too much to recast him. It'd be so disrespectful. But then mm-hmm. once the anti-vax stuff started with, um, what you call it? Uh, I forget her name. Latina, Shuri, uh, what's, Shuri what's the character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, then people were like, get us a new black Panther. Things have changed. Things have changed. We'll accept it. We'll, we'll have another black Panther, please. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. All the nerds have gotten together. We're very sorry. Change uh, your mind. Change your mind. Okay. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. So the, all the best around Cooler. I just I I'm fascinated as hell to find out how that's going to land. I just I have too. no idea how they can pull it off, but it's like, coming in November. So like it or not, here it comes. Here we go. Yeah. Um, people don't give um, Black Panther enough credit. Like it's one of the big. It's no single superhero has made more money ever. And you like, really feel like people don't give it enough credit? I mean, like, I. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, in memes, in memes and whatnot, oh, and memes, memes and, and, and whatnot, memes, whatnot, and headlines. When I talk about the biggest money makers of all time, Black Panther, I never see it come up. Wow, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm just kind of uh, thinking about. I, I feel like I hear about it a lot, and I like maybe I'm just thinking my friend group and and the people I talk to mm-hmm. continuously say that that is what they consider to be the best Marvel movie is uh, is Black Panther. But uh, I, I'll I'm say, also I, I saw a lot of people loving it. A lot of people loved it. Yeah. You know, it hit really well when it first came out. But since then, like people still talk mm. about how much money The Force Awakens made. But I just don't see like this is historical. Like having a a, a majorly black cast in the first, in in the second place, and they make it this much money. I just it doesn't get the credit it deserves when it comes to its money making power. And now I can't like without Chadwick Boseman. Like, can they do it again? Well, hopefully. Yeah. All right. Do we have um, much more to say about Thor? I have a few things, and they're much lighter. Okay. Um, so first off, I don't know. Did any of you did, did any of you see the little YouTube shorts um, from many years ago with Thor and his roommate Daryl? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I did see those. <laughs> yeah, and Daryl was in the movie. Like oh, as oh no Daryl yeah he was the tour guide oh wow yeah oh. I did not see that good it eye. was the actor he was Daryl he had the name tag and everything yeah it, like he was in there consistently as Daryl and that just made me so happy that like this 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 guy from like this seemingly random and he also had a one with uh, with what's his face Jeff Goldblum um. And uh, and yeah yeah so Daryl Daryl was in there. I would have loved to have seen some interaction between him and Thor. Um, so but, uh, was he in the foreground and t- speak, or did you see him in the background doing things? No, he was in the background in a couple of scenes, and he was literally in the foreground. I think yeah, the tour guide Daryl, as the tour guide did say, had some lines. Hmm. Yeah, he he was the tour guide when uh, Jane got to at, to uh, New Asgard and was looking down at the display of Milnir shattered and under that glass dome and. He, and then he was like, okay, now we're going to go off and have some popcorn or something, whatever. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They were going to try some sort of like Asgardian treat or something. That's but, it. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, but that just, that just made me so happy. Just like, um, you know, like, yeah, you're kind of talking about memes and stuff like that. Like that was about as low as you can get on the totem pole. Um, but a little Easter egg for people that have seen those videos and good for that guy that played Daryl in those YouTube videos. Agreed. You know. I kind of wonder, like, how did that happen? They're like, we gotta get Daryl back. We love well, that day that we spoke Daryl. Uh, wasn't it fun? Yo, guys, Daryl's great. Uh, I just want to say it. Yeah, Daryl, oh my god. It's kind of like, have, have, you, have any of you seen uh, What We Do in the Shadows? Uh, first, starting the movie. Movie, in the first movie. Season. The movie. Uh, yeah, well, it, oh, the in movie's the, fantastic. Yeah, in the movie, what was the, who's the guy that everybody likes? The real normal guy, the tech guy. Um, <laughs> oh. But anyway, George, I or, no, I, 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 the, I, the helper guy. Uh, yeah, he was like um, he. 
Hold on, I'm I'm gonna be able to find this pretty quick. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, stew, stew. Everybody loves stew. <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody <laughs> wants to eat stew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, well, apparently there was a meeting early on in the production of this, and they immediately brought up Daryl and the guy that, that played him, and they're like, "Yeah, he's going to be in it." So it was actually something they decided extremely early on that they were going to so, do. Good eye. Yeah. Yep. Anything, uh, mm-hmm, go ahead. Anything else? What else uh, should we be touching on? Yeah, you know, we were talking a little bit about you know the various acting styles and whatnot, and I think we would be remiss to not mention the uh, superlative acting of both Luke Hemsworth and Matt Damon. Uh, in the, <laughs> in the, I was very the, glad to see them show up again. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then and then he's seeing a little bit of their process, you know, after the disaster and the children get stolen, and they, you know, they went up to Valkyrie and they're like, "Hey, we need to we need to make a play about this. This is high drama. We got to do it." Uh, yeah, it was nice to see. I'm still, nice. I'm still wondering how they survived Thanos's purge when Thanos is when Thanos and his uh, minions took over the ship. I'm like, how the hell did the three actors survive? <laughs> Out of all the Asgardians, how did those three survive? Um, they, they got blipped pro- back, possibly, but uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Well, no, because yeah. you, you remember when Thanos ran into the ship, he did his usual half of the population has to die culling, and then. I still don't know how the other half that they didn't kill survived because, you know, they obviously they destroyed the ship. Yeah. I mean, did Thanos I've always take wondered. the other half of the Asgardians onto his ship and then they dropped them off? I mean, oh, how did they survive? Asgardians can survive in space? Well, yeah, as Thor approved, yeah, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah. Then we do know but that. That's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess, like, from what we know of like Asgardians, he busted the ship and they may have been floating there for whoever knows how long and they got picked up. Right. I, uh, I am kind of glad that they didn't go with the God Bomb that uh, Gore used in the comics. I forgot the God Bomb. What's the, what's the God Bomb? The God Bomb was the... Because in the comics, Gore wasn't trying to get to an alternate dimension to get a wish from an entity to destroy all the gods in the universe he was creating this device and he was capturing gods to work on it and they were slaving for thousands of years to create the god bomb because in the comics gore once the necrosword bonded with him which is a symbiote and i'm kind of wondering why they didn't go with that whole part of it but maybe sony owns the rights to that too um it is connected to the uh venom symbiote right to, it came from the same birthplace as the Venom symbiotes, yes, in the comics. Uh, yeah. They, they, I mean, they kind of implied that the Necrosword is a symbiont, but they didn't go far enough with that. But anyway, uh, the God Bomb was the device that Gore was trying to build to destroy all the gods. And just as he was about to set off the God Bomb, and it was almost finished, and he was marching off uh, the son that he had, or his wife, Turned around and said, oh, at last, Gore, you're going to become the god you're always meant to be. And that just triggered Gore, and he kills his wife again. And he, his son gets mad and kills him. And just, the, the, the origin story, the story arc for Gore in the comic was just nice Shakespearean and some of his twists and turns. And like, how much of this are they going to bring to the movie? And to have it land with Gore brought his daughter back. And like, okay, I guess that's a very MCU ending to his arc, but... It was a positive that the God Bomb maybe wasn't involved because, you know, another doomsday device. I can explain it way easier by trying to get to an alternate dimension and getting a one genie wish to fulfill his, his dreams or 
his ends. But God yeah. Butcher was so good that you weren't spoiled by seeing this movie. <laughs> wow. Like, Until you yeah. started talking. Sorry. Oh, no, oh, no. Well, like, I don't think he said too much. Um, but, like, well, yeah, I'm just saying, like, the what we saw in the movie is, like, I feel like that's, like, I want to say 1% of the comic, but, I'll, you know, it's probably, like, 10%, I guess. It was kind of fun when he was, like, tormenting the little children. I enjoyed that puppet show, although it did not feel like comic god butcher. It felt like uh, just Christian Bale hamming it. I I just hated those kids. (laughs) I I really did not like those kids. I hated them getting the powers. Like, uh, Gore is supposed to be a very serious uh, villain, kind of a dark villain. It just felt like, ooh, and now I'll kidnap some kids. And Gore, that'll make Gore come back. And then the kids get superpowers. Absolutely done for for the children in the audience. Like, that was fully, like, like Heimdall's kid get them involved. You didn't like Heimdall's kid who took his name from Axel Rose? Come on. <laughs> but <laughs> he was, was given like, a Norwegian girl's name. Astrid. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. That's right. But yes, so yes, young man, give yourself your own name that uh, you want to use. Axel. That's... Although I hear Axel's a terrible person. From... Axel Rose? A, yeah, is that what I heard? Guns, he's troubled. And Roses? Troubled. Yes, he's he's troubled. Yeah, just Let's yesterday I, I was talking to uh, Christopher Kamen Lee, the star of Power Rangers in Space, and he got words. Just white hot words about uh, Axl Rose. Wow. How, how did he encounter Axl Rose? That seems uh, like oh, He was a massive uh, Guns N' Roses fan, and then like uh, I, I, I don't know like the story. Something happened after when they're big that Axl Rose did something horrible to rip off the rest of the band from money they should have Ooh. or something. Okay. I don't know if you guys know. Interesting. Uh, I just thought it was funny that like the power Ranger, like, uh, you know, I, I just wonder what vagaries of fate would like get him to hang out with Axl Rose. Yeah. That's kind of what I was wondering. It's sort of like, well, oh, you're no. a power Rangers now. You know, you can do whatever you want. So you get to meet Axl Rose. No, 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 no. Every power Ranger. Just a fan. Gets just to a, meet Axl Rose. A- He's just a fan. <laughs> um, I did. I did enjoy actually the uh, the Guns N' Roses music. I enjoyed uh, the kids getting powers. Like, yeah, so I gear shifted. Like, though it, it fucks up a lot of world building, but I'm gear shifting to seeing that this is the, a, a chunk of this is like so that the children in the audience have fun. Like when I saw a kid get captured in the movie when I was a kid, I felt like, all right, I'm on the screen, and then like. Whenever you get like a kid that's able to whoop ass like short round in Temple of Doom, like I got hype back then. So it's it's cheesy. It's not good world building or writing, but like having a bunch of children leaping through the air, glowing with golden lightning uh, as a child, my head would have probably exploded. Especially I, I will. Axel was one of the leaders. But it, it feels like that that works better for Shazam than it does for Thor. Absolutely. <laughs> World like building I, wise, nah, <laughs> sense. But if you're doing a a crowd pleasing uh, amusement park ride of a movie, get them kids hype. Get them hype, and this get would them do it. kids hype. Um, yeah, and I mean, I I will say for the kids, I mean, I enjoyed it too, actually, and I and I. Um, agree, Keith. Like when I was watching that, immediately, like, oh yeah, this is this is for the kids. This is this is a a power fantasy for kids, and, and that's mm-hmm. that's great for them to be able to see that. And, and like I always remember, like in a lot of older movies, when kids would get powers, whatever, it would just be very awkward Same. looking. 
and la- exactly lame and cringy. But I gotta say, it was pretty well done. Like when Axel was like flying through the air and slams yes. his makeshift weapon down, he looked awesome. Yes. When like that little girl was spinning around with her stuffed <laughs> animal, like I yes. wouldn't want to get in the way of that. It was freaking oh. sweet. Dude, whooping ass with the stuffed animal. That, with a stuffed that made, animal. No, I love that. I love it that made, a lot. It made me feel really, this is this sounds cheesy, but it made me feel good for the kids in the audience. They're like, oh no, this mm. is freaking sweet. Um, like there's, there's, there's a little girl who went home and is, is running around the room beating monster ass with her little stuffed animal. Like, fuck yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that image. Absolutely. Uh, anything maybe else? Yeah. I'd be more accepting of it. I guess if we didn't like spend four or five movies seeing Thor become the most tortured MCU character. Mm-hmm. And also like, we felt like his arc, you know, I guess the arc of this movie was him learning to find fulfillment of becoming a father, but it felt like uh, nothing was leading up towards that. Absolutely so. not. Yeah. I yeah. completely agree. There's nothing leading. There's nothing at all in the story. That's like, and next stage of life, I need to become a father. And that will truly like, oh, whoa, well, Right. If you like, they're all sitting around. Like, I'm seeing the natural endpoint to setups at the beginning. Like, um, father lose daughter, uh, hero gain daughter. Now yeah. script tight. <laughs> now script tight. Script yep. good. Make movies. <laughs> it's got me good. But I, I will say, like, some of some of his awkwardness with the kids in the cage was so funny. You know, I was like, well, I have to admit, things look pretty bad. <laughs> just like no kids gloves whatsoever it's like yep look yep, not not looking good kids <laughs> seeing this before I do wish it didn't turn out well the last couple times i do wish we could have seen a little more of the american psycho vibes that bale was giving off and that when he was sitting there twisting the head off that one creature and like oh Bale. You don't like heads being separated from their bodies? You liked it a minute ago. <laughs> I'm just like, more Bale of that. I miss the old American psycho Christian Bale. Come on. He was yeah, like so that, good in that goddamn movie. The huge grin on his face. He's like clapping while the kids are terrified. Uh, mm-hmm. That was great. I, I liked just about everything Christian Bale did. And like the scenery, they probably had to replace it after each. Uh, each time he, he acted because all the tooth marks, but like it was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed him. Yeah, Bale fucking Thunder crushed that role so damn hard that, yeah, that he should be King. Uh, like, I'm sorry, like, uh, I'm gonna say it like the guy who did King, I think he needs a couple more years of like continued training of like the actor he may have the potential to be, but I did not feel him as a, a as a great threat or a great bad guy but bale right here showed that he has like the fucking chops to give us oh like the next darth vader but once again it's the uh contracts of marvel that i think real actors do not want to get locked into for too long mm. yeah especially after that expose with like uh whatchamacallit elizabeth olsen being like i lost on so many roles for Ooh. marvel I, yeah, Ooh. I remember. I didn't hear that line, but I remember hearing like, "Yep, she's like, because I'm with MCU, I don't get to do a lot of things that are like truly artfully fulfilling, but I get huh. to be the Scarlet Witch and wear sexy costumes." Um, yeah, it might be like a big thing that like uh, actors are dissuaded from like just the time commitment of the MCU and how all-consuming it can be if you have like a major role. Yep, you can't party like if um. Like if you get caught partying too hard, you're you're fucking done, and they'll probably sue you inside out. 
So really? yeah, yeah, you you can't have like the like the I, it was now long ago, but like the rules they had. If you're in the MCU, just so you know, we will set you up for life. But every time we call on you, you say yes. Um, you better have the squeakiest clean public image ever fucking seen, or you're gone. And once again, every time we say jump, you say yes, which is why I'm guessing that uh, certain characters showed up at the end of Ms. Marvel who couldn't say no or go on to do like, you know, indie movies and art projects. Okay. I think we would be remiss to not talk at least a little bit about the goats. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love them in the comics. Like in the comics, there's a time where Thor doesn't have his hammer and like, he's has to go through like what he has left that he can use. And instead of like using the hammer to fly around the galaxy, he now has an old axe that he used to use, and it gets pulled by his goats. That's oh, interesting. That's I did from. not know okay. that they actually came from something. To me, I was not a fan. They felt like way too much internet lol, so oh, random yeah. lol Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought that they kind of like, <laughs> by the, the thir- second or third scream, I was kind of like, <laughs> uh, 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 all right, you, you've worn out your welcome. <laughs> And, yeah. I, I, and, then when, and then when they got to the shell realm and they just crashed into the side of the comically small planet and just let out the last, let out the last, <laughs> yeah, I just, okay, okay, that might have been the last payoff to that joke. I like the construction of how they pulled everything together. Like, so like, I, like, uh, I was saying like how I like it when heroes are forced to use their non-signature things. And that always like is fun for me. So like, yeah, no... No Thor's hammer, and you need to get other people around. So yeah, like now the the bridge projects the bridge on a boat. I love the combination of all that. That was a lot of fun to me. Um, but yeah, I fully get and agree. Okay, it never went over the top for me. I could see I was watching for it, and I could see why easily for like most people it would go over the top. But the screaming goats didn't cross the line for me, even though I agree they did too much. Did your yeah. theater l- laugh consistently at the screen yeah. every time they go? Screen- <laughs> all right, so, so, so it worked for them. Yeah, everybody was having a really good time at all the right moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kept ex- yeah exactly like kind of going along with what you were saying, Keith. Is I kept expecting them to get annoying and for mm-hmm. it to be too much, but every goddamn time those fucking goats <laughs> screamed, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, and I'm, I, was, I'm like, I was, I was almost mad at myself. I'm like, why am I laughing? <laughs> at this? this is not that funny. This is not uh, that but, funny. But, but, yep, after the third time, no. But like, yeah, I was still, I was still with it. I was still mm-hmm. with it. But I get it. Should, I, I was. I would advise them not to continue to do that joke. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. It's done. It's done. Um, yeah. And MJ, like you were saying, yeah, when they crash into a planet, like, no, that's it. That's it. Um, but <laughs> uh, fun fact: uh, there are, as far as I know, three um, tooth gnasher and tooth grinder toys out there right now, and none of them scream. Really? Yeah. I, I cannot believe that they wouldn't do that. That yeah. just feels like such a like a little, little button you push and that they you just start yelling. Yeah, the one it's thing they should do. If that's the case, I guarantee a parent designed the toy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there, no there you go. There you go. It's their kid to have that damn goat in the house, yeah. constantly mashing the button. I yeah, <laughs> I've heard from parent friends <laughs> toys that make noises. Um, like you want to sue somebody or have them killed. 
Yeah, because that, it yeah. never fails. Somebody inadvertently rolls on it in the middle of the night, or something falls on it, and you hear the <laughs> two in the morning when you're sound asleep, and you just want to murder something. <laughs> uh, so get on them for not making a sound. There, there you go. Well, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's that, it's that old uh, cliche that you get the screaming toys for other people's kids or drums. Yeah, <laughs> or drums. Oh no! Who's <laughs> gonna buy any merchandise from this movie? I already I bought the Thor before the movie came out. I I love the design for Thor from this movie. Nice. Oh, very very blue. What, which one? Him with the costume or him with like the rocker jacket with the Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, the the, the actual Thor costume, the the rocker jacket. The, oh god. I was looking I logged on the Facebook this morning and you know the usual ads scroll up. You must have been looking at it and blah. And a hot topic ad popped up and sure as hell that stupid leather Vest is being sold at Hot Topic for anybody who wants it. Like, oh God, how many people are walking around with that? What's funny is this is like, a disaster. The, when you start when you start talking about that, I want that. I so I'm, I'm I'm searching it right now. I'm like, what? I can have that vest. Oh look, yeah, look it up on Hot Topic site. Apparently, yeah, you can buy Love and Thunder for apparel. seventy dollars. <laughs> if you're lucky, I'd fan. say it's only and seventy. The, Man, that's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm good. Never mind. Uh, if if it's in like uh, if it if it was um my sucker limit would be like say like forty dollars and then also it needs to say Ravagers on the back and mm. then I would buy the shit out of that. God, I hope they do well by the Ravagers in the next Guardians movie. I hope. I hope. I hope. Uh, James Gunn. Well, one thing we haven't discussed though. Um, what are your thoughts on the like uh, Tessa Thompson's King Valkyrie? Um, for me, it's like, sure, you know, I, 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 I see like people like doing yes, queening her. So, um, I feel like it's for those fans and otherwise it was, to me, it was like, yeah, they definitely did that on the screen. That's it. Like it didn't develop much into much of anything. Yeah, I was surprised for so much fanfare they gave her. And, like, originally the synopsis was like, oh, and Valkyrie's going to go find a king. And so it's not just Love and Thunder for Thor, it's Love and Thunder for other people. Uh, I don't know if that got, like, cut from the editing room or if they were, like, afraid there was, like, too much gay stuff and they wanted to, like, um, lower it down and just have her flirt with women. But uh, I, I don't know. It was, it was funny how much of a non presence she was, uh, at least in this one. I think it, like, well, the movie it- is big enough and that. Adding anything else, like kind of, uh, adding anything else, adds bloat, and we need to. Fo- they needed to focus on like making sure Natalie Portman was happy because, you know, it probably took a lot of work to get her to come back. Because I, I saw like, so like she was originally sold on doing Thor, and there was like a, a woman director who was once a part of it, and they're like, and just so you know, you're not just some love interest, okay, Natalie? We got shit to do. Like we want to respect you as an actress. And we're gonna, we're gonna do it, and then like something happened where that director disappeared, but she was still oh, locked into the wasn't uh, it contract. Patty, wasn't it Patty Jenkins? Yes, was gonna, yeah, she was, yes, the was. to direct the second uh, Thor movie. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and then, then Natalie Portman was furious when she got uh, booted out of it for like the Game of Thrones guy. Mm-hmm. So, Oof. yeah, and now the, 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 she's she is a big freaking deal, like. Uh, Oh, I, I cannot recommend Annihilation enough to everyone on the planet. Oh, I love Annihilation. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Um that's, very, that's a very good movie. Alex Garland as finest. Yeah. Alex. So like yeah, to to keep her happy, I'm sorry Tessa Thompson, everyone else in the cast, we need to make sure that and they, and even with like tr- their focusing, it was still quite all, all over the map. But you know what's weird? I'd watch a director's cut of this movie. Like <laughs> I'm sorry. I I I think I enjoy the fun that Taika brings so much and as stupid as it gets, like his worlds are like how I used to play as a child. Like you, you, know, you get like your your toy chest together, you grab this hammer and this blaster or this shield, and everybody has a mishmash of whatever, and you do adventures together. And that's what I keep seeing with Thor. I like that. So yeah, with all its flaws, you know, I'm gonna still say yeah, a very generous B plus for me. And that's the end of that rant part. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I am see where, you know, just see where all this goes from here. Do we want to do final She-Hulk. thoughts or any notes? Any more notes that we should be touching on? Uh, I feel I don't have any other notes. I'm fine going to final thoughts personally. Everybody else? Yeah, same. sounds good. Sounds same here. MJ, what are your final thoughts? What do you feel about? Thor Love and Thunder. I wouldn't mind seeing another Thor movie because I like Hemsworth as Thor. I'd hopefully bring it back in a little bit from this and be a little more consistent with how Thor was prior to Love and Thunder. But I, I do like the arc that they've done with him and ultimately I do like where the arc left him at the end of this movie and I wouldn't mind seeing another. But I, 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 I'm hoping Kevin Feige falls through on his promise that we're finally going to see where all this is going soon. He he announced it through the press about a month ago that Mm -hmm. at some point very soon, you guys are going to see what the point of all this is like waiting with bated breath. (laughs) In the meantime, I'm just hoping she Hulk does well by Tatiana Masolani because everything I've seen of that so far, it doesn't, add up to the actress I saw in Orphan Black. Orphan Black, she was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm just hoping She-Hulk measures up to her. Because it'd, it'd be, it'd be a massive disservice to her decade. if it sucks. A friend yeah, been begging I, me for a decade to check out Orphan Black. Yeah, it, I highly recommend it. I'm only halfway through the first season and ta- it, she's amazing. I I don't know how she didn't have greater accolades coming out of that show than she has, but mm-hmm. I just yeah I just hope they don't pooch her. Yeah, here she's quite legend a legendary actress even. So, all right, um, any other any final any other final thoughts and feelings about Thor: Love and Thunder? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. All right, Doc Falconer, what'd you feel? What are your final thoughts on Thor: Love and Thunder? Uh, yeah, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier that you, you would watch a, a director's cut, um, as would I, this is, this is a movie that I would happily, uh, watch again, especially if there was going to be more content to it. Uh, also, I really appreciated that it wasn't as long as a lot of Marvel movies have been getting. Um, and it, it clipped right along. So overall, yeah, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Yes, it was a ridiculous roller coaster, but they did manage to, um, put some actual stakes in there at the end and kind of make you care a little bit. Really fun performances, um, pretty much across the board. Um, yeah, I really liked it. And also, um, I'm looking forward to seeing some Brett Goldstein as Hercules. I'd love to see mm-hmm. him kind of, uh, go and uh, get in a nice, 
big old big old fist fight with Thor. So uh, yeah, well, I'm curious to see where that Oi. goes. Oi, can't <laughs> buy his actual name, right? Fucking Kent. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that was so like um, I was watching with some other people. Th- oh, uh, uh, I think I might know where you're going, but go ahead. I was I was so close to going into the Roy Kent chant in the theater yes! when it came on the screen. I'm like I want it, but there are That's, kids here. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, um, I was I was I watched it with my girlfriend, and uh, we've watched um, uh, what's his face together the the soccer show and um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Thank you. Yeah, and she like she was looking at him, and she's like, "Wait a minute, who is that? I know who that who." Who is that? And I was like, he's there. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Roy can't. <laughs> but as a whisper, so you know. The kid. Roy Kent and his kebabs. He liked kebabs. Kebabs. <laughs> yeah. How he said kebabs. Was, it, it always made me laugh. Like, just freaking kicked that word with his, word, with his accent. Anyway. Kebabs. Yeah. So there you go. Those are, those are my thoughts. All right. Lobster Magnet. What are your final thoughts? Um, I think I'm probably the most negative of uh, Thor. Um, I thought, um, I mean, it's still watchable and fun, and I still think this version of uh, fun Thor is probably the most successful Thor, so I don't necessarily want it to go away. Uh, I just wish that um, fun Thor stays in a fun universe and that you keep, like, a more serious villain and, um, you know, just separate them. It was kind of sad to see Gore wasted. Um, And... uh, Maybe Taita should, uh, I don't know, this movie didn't feel like Taita was, like, had something to prove in, like, the, you know, $200 million film space. This felt mm-hmm. like him cashing a paycheck. Yep. Uh, um, mm. Where Maybe he hated doing Thor uh, Ragnarok, but it felt like there, whether he had better tools or uh, just um, something to prove, like, uh, well, this felt like uh, kind of going through the motions. Uh, there are things to enjoy, but it definitely feels like this is like um, a lot of people are bringing out. Are going to use this as an example to bring out the knives to go uh, after Taika, uh, even though I don't think he's you know like Chris Pratt done much to deserve it. But it's interesting to see the culture shift. Um, so it, it was okay. There are a lot of things that annoyed it. Uh, who knows? Maybe when I see it in two to three years, uh, when I'm at the gym on TBS, my, my, my opinion will change. Um, but as of right now, it was kind of like a, uh, so C plus, uh, low B minus rating for me. Right on. Um, my final thoughts is, uh, I, I think I agree with you, man. Like, even though I like it, I agree with you. Like, the it's them that it was that main thing of like dude needs a lot more limitations working within that the talent he has if someone like you know made him tighten up on some of the seriousnesses like elsewhere anywhere like i think you can make a a far better movie um but like i said he he must have had like the same childhood i did like he, he keeps on hanging a tone with his thor movies and james gunn that like when you go to Marvel space, everything gets to be cute, funny, cartoonish, and absurd. I kind of love it. Um, I, I feel like across the board, though, like it seems like it's almost universal that people are like kind of putting this movie down. Like everybody's kind of like, you went too far, Taika. So I'm kind of hoping that next movie is his. I have something to prove. Like with all of, like across the board, the critique and it being the final one. I do feel like he, and also I feel like, you know, since it is a Marvel production that the bosses might actually like say, all right, we need you to pull back some and 
my hopes, uh, my uh, expectations are quite high for the his third installment. So, um, very positive. Yeah, I'll say very positive B plus. Um, just, just slathered, just, just you know, butter knife covered with flaws, but uh, still tastes delicious. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you, you, you that, I've never heard anyone put it like that, but that, that that's slathered yeah. with flaws, but still tastes delicious. <laughs> butter, the butter knife. <laughs> put that on the poster. I want my poster quote: slathered in flaws, but still delicious. All yeah. right, um, let's close this up. Doc Falker, where can where can we find more of your work on the Intertron? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, you can find me, uh, Doc Falconer, on both Twitter, if I ever tweet again, and Instagram. Um, and yeah, how about I? How about I advertise something nice and old? Why don't you go watch some of my old Wanda and Pietro video uh, yes. at home YouTube videos? My friend Sarah and I made a short web series about the Maximoff siblings uh, living in a small apartment in New York, like six years Very ago. Funny. So I love go it. watch that. More uh, how relevant would they find now it? than ever. How would they find it? Uh, YouTube. Just look up Wanda and Pietro at home. All right, there you go. All right, and then uh, Isaac, the Lobster Magnet review guy. Where can we find uh, more of your work on the internet? Yeah, just type in Lobster Magnet in your Google search bar or your YouTube search bar, and you can check out my video essays. I haven't posted one in a while. I feel bad about it, but uh, hopefully I'll post one soon. Yes, please uh, like and subscribe. I love his channel. You guys will get a lot out of it. All right, you can find me at Keith Justice on Instagram, at Keith Hayward on the Twitters, and you can find this podcast and more on PopGeeks.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you uh, next time. Have a good one. And we're out. Hold on. Um, Whoa. M- well, MJ, did you, did you do your... Oh, shite. Yeah, I'm not going to stop recording. And thank you. MJ, please, where can we find more of you on the internet? God, I suck. It's all right, man. I, don't, I really don't have that much out there. You can find me, MJ3342, on Insta and Facebook. I am working to actually start creating content after some encouragement from Mr. Hayward there. So oh, I'm going to start trying to get some stuff on Pop Geeks and uh, anywhere else I can get to. And the only thing you'll find on mine on YouTube is a amalgamation of all three Unforgiven songs by... Metallica into a one twenty minute suite. That's all you're <laughs> going to find of me on YouTube. Rad. <laughs> oh, I will try to find it. All right, but- everyone. Thank you for listening, Starcadian. Please play us out.